0: outside of the dance hall door across the street from the hardware store it's a full moon night shining like a big spotlight she smiles and says I guess this is goodbye says come on honey
1: Welcome to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He is Wacy. I guess I don't. Do I ever say our last names? Like I'm Ted Stoven, He's. People Wasey know who we are.
2: But us called do Cowboy they? Shit with Ted and Wacy. So I mean. Yeah. And, and our social or and our social media handles have our last name in them.
1: They do. So. so if you to go to cowboyshit.ca, that's cowboyshit.com, cowboyshitofficial.com, you will find us. And oh, yeah, check shit. it out. You, yeah, I was gonna say you got a little couple bags under your eyes. Uh,
2: yeah, I haven't really been sleeping much the last little while. Why not? All the Is late drinking? night hockey, all the late night hockey bud. Yeah. Gets to a guy. Even like we were talking about the other day. Um, even if you play a game at like 8 p.m., you still still not get home till midnight, anyways. And you're still well, the bed time by, you by like one. Yeah, because a guy goes for a beer after, because you don't want to be that guy who doesn't go for a beer at the boys. Yeah, you don't want to be. So weird. You want to be
1: some weirdo that doesn't go for a beer. At the that's guys.
2: the well. That's the whole reason why we play, anyways, right? You just go burn quick thousand calories so you can drink a couple beers and get it all back so you drink a couple thousand calories drink a couple thousand calories exactly so it's okay. all about balance right it is <clears throat> i get it but yeah anyways i've been i played hockey like same same for you but late night hockey four times last week so that's a, a lot and then we had late night volleyball too because volleyball was at nine thirty on wednesday i'm playing beach volleyball for the past couple of weeks with some Fuggered folks work heck of a sport it's just late you just get late nights and you don't get up early in the morning i'm up at six thirty every day so And then I didn't, and then, yeah, we were up early Saturday. So. Yeah.
1: Big day at the warehouse on Saturday. Yeah, we got some, got some shit happening. That was cool. Got some stuff done. Yeah. Got some work done. uh, Man, I think we got to start the biggest, biggest news. I, I, I was, I'd have to look and do some more research, but I think today, uh, for those of you listening, it'll be Wednesday. It'll be old news by then, but like today is Sunday, March 6th and. Kaike Pacheco wins $2.1 million at the American million Not bad, hey? $2.1 million. Well, and he,
2: and he's, a, he's a contender for another world title, so he could win potentially $3 million in the next two months.
1: Plus, plus the round money and the season money, hey? Yeah. Uh, I wonder what he's won already this year. I'm just going to look it up. He's, he's, got,
2: he's, he's right in the, you know, the top five in the world in the PBR, too, isn't he?
1: I don't even know. I got to look.
2: And then okay. they
1: won a bunch of money uh, last night at the Global Cup as well. So yeah. let's just go to standings here quick.
0: Number 52.
1: Age 27. Yeah. So he still has some work to do.
2: That's wild. But either way. Global um, Cup.
1: So they won 13,000 yesterday. And so say he's won. Uh, what's he won this year? He won 236,000 last year at the World Finals. Jesus. Jesus. But
2: either, either way. Anyways, the guy can it's win a, a ton of deal. money in the next two months. So. That's pretty cool, man. Hundred percent. That's gonna be the largest one one day payout of a rodeo ever, eh?
1: I think so. That was what my point was. Is like, yeah. I don't think that uh I don't think that the, I don't think anywhere else in Western sports, like the no. world series the team roping, the NFR, like nobody's ever won two million dollars before at any Western sports event. Like, I don't know what the cutting horse shows and the like barrel racing events, but like nobody's ever put together
2: this big of a check before for a one day for one for one event, yeah. Anywhere there's never, yeah, you and know one what? per like one one person winning that amount of money, yeah, and not yeah. even one season. Hey, yeah. like
1: if you put together a whole season, like Sage Kimsey had like a million dollar season in twenty eighteen.
2: Well, even like when Kaike won the world, he probably mm-hmm. only won like not only I should say only, but he probably won like one point two, one point three mil that year, right? So I mean, it's yeah, it's more so, than than that's like two two world champions worth of money.
1: He was a world champion in 2018. It says 1.5. There you go. But but he only got uh he got a half million that year plus 100,000. So because the world PBR world champion is paid out as an annuity, so they get 100,000 a year for 10 years. Yeah. So so yeah, 600,000 plus whatever else he won. So still. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. He won 484,000 last year. So Dang. guy's doing guy's doing all right. eh? Holy shit. It's not a bad way to make a living. Okay, so he's 27. So question posed to you. He's 27 years old. Um, do you retire now? You won two million. Do you retire, or do you keep going? Uh,
2: I, I think as long as you still have the fire to compete at that level, like go as much as long as you'd like to. But if you're at a, I don't know. That's but a hard think, question. That's a hard question to ask because yeah, he, he's still a guy who can compete for a world title. And if that's your objective every year to so win a world title, as long as you have that fire and you can still compete, like why yeah. why stop, right? Yeah. But what else? Like what else? What else is he gonna do at 27? I don't know. What are you gonna do? I don't know. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the guy well enough to know.
2: No. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I think it's cool. Like, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't think I would retire if I was still capable. I think it would make retiring a lot easier. You know, for some guys to so go a bit longer just so they can make a bit more money just for the future.
1: I bet but that some in his people, case, I bet that some people. So here's a here's a comparison for you. Justin McBride is uh, 42, and retired in 2000 and. Um, 2008 mm-hmm. so what is what is 2022 to minus that that's only 20 uh 28 years old so mcbride retired around 27 28 so i mean and he had just won he'd won two million dollars over
2: his uh but I, but I think part of his reasoning too had been like he lost that fire to compete like
1: yeah and maybe, maybe he had a family I mean, and- I wonder. I wonder if that would be the case. Like I, wonder I think if it's really...
2: just yeah. I think it varies, guy, guys. If you're like right. like like Shifner's an example. Like he just he still had that fire to compete as he got older, and he yeah. still could could can, and still could compete. So I mean, he didn't yeah. he didn't quit. But um I think it just all depends on where the guy's at when it comes to the sport. it's one of the, especially oh, yeah. at, that, at that level. Like it's not like a. But I mean it, it definitely makes it easier for him to like make that decision retire though. Like if he's having a tough year and he just doesn't want to do it anymore, it's like, yeah, I won two yeah. million dollars last year, like I could dip.
1: But I mean but I mean even like right now, like he's 50th in the world. If you I just I just wanted to ask a question because I was thinking yeah. if you Oh it's a good question. Yeah. You know? So so yeah. tell us your answers. Hit us up on social. Uh send me a text. Send me a tweet. Put it on Facebook somewhere. What would yeah. you do? If you were KK Pacheco, you just won two point one million, would you retire? And I didn't watch the post game. Stuff I should probably watch out for what felisco was saying. Maybe he, I don't think he would have made an announcement, but like, but still, it's yeah. uh
2: I don't think he'd retire on the spot. Like he can still make the no. world finals this year, and he's riding yeah. and he's healthy. Like, and he'll probably but, get
1: picked for the teams and.
2: Yeah, uh, so it's one know. of those. It's, it's one of those things. I don't know, man. It'd be interesting to see. It's, it's a good. It's a good thing to ponder. But I know for me, I'd still want to go. But I definitely, when that time came to hang it up, it would be a lot easier to make that decision than if I was a guy who who needed the money consistently all the time yeah you know but yeah well, man, no. it's a cool deal and, and kudos to mcbride and kate harrison on the oh on the they broadcast. were great i didn't get to watch the whole thing but i watched all of the videos and they were awesome so that's really cool to see it's nice yeah. to have a that's the nice thing that's what rodeo doesn't really have is like a variety of like play-by-play teams you know like yeah. how hockey has a bunch like, hockey has so many and hockey football Baseball, all the, the big sports have different groups people covering different events. Different it's nice teams. to have that nice yeah. to have that variety. We, we were talking about it last night with the Flames game, like they had a different team there this year for, or for last night, Proc Night in Canada. But you have like your like your Jim Houston's and your um,
1: and he hasn't even done any games all. lately. He's retired. Think, he, he retired. Oh, he retired. Okay, yeah, but he Like guys or, guys or guys like um, Bob Cole. You got Bob Cole. Rick ball, yeah, Kelly Rick Rudy. Ball. And I don't even I don't even really like Kelly Rudy on some. Who's of the, the TSN
2: guy? Now. Uh,
1: Chris Cuthbert went no, over there. Chris Swiss Cuthbert day. and there's another one too. Uh, well, he well, like,
2: is, who is that the World's Juniors? Gord Miller, Gord Miller, Gordon Miller yeah. and Ray Ferraro. Like there's we have so yeah. many different groups of Jack, people who do it. I
1: really like Jack Michaels and what he does on uh, on the Oilers broadcast. Like compare and, and, and like I gotta I gotta point it out. I get what they're what CBC is doing like to put Harnarain on the broadcast, but I just don't think he does as good of a job as some of the other guys on the on the crew. Mm-hmm. And I think the best people should do the job, and I thought Kate and Justin were awesome.
2: Man, yeah, and this, they did great.
1: It was it was professional commentary. McBride, I think, is one of the best in the business overall.
2: Yeah, he's really good. He's really, he, the way he he's really good at articulating his thoughts, like as, like as like from a color standpoint.
1: And he's done more than one event. Like he made the college finals in the saddle bronc riding, and I think yeah. the bareback
2: riding. Like that yeah. guy's
1: done numerous events to actually. He's cowboy know, that guy. And has real uh, what would I say? He has actual relevant information on each of the horses, the contestants, the mm-hmm. you know it's not just bullshit but yeah this guy is a finals qualifier he rides really good uh, you know there's his wife sitting in the stands like there, there's actual real content where he's like yeah this horse is known for this this guy's saddle was in this spot this was going on like there's actual articulated information that actually provides that's what you need that's what you need out of co- that's
2: what you need out of a color guy right that's why yeah. that's why it's you- like where guys like Ray Ferraro and the hockey guys are so He's good, good job, because they just do a good cause, job. Cause they, they, such have good job so they know how to, they can tell the game. They've done the game, so they know how to talk about yeah. it, right? That's when you put those enough. people in place. They've done enough that they understand. Well, even like <laughs> right? remember at the NFR in Texas when they brought Janie in like halfway through to do the barrel racing? Oh, how much better the barrel was racing was, right? Yeah. Like it's Johnny Gade does not know
1: about no barrel man. Racing. Like you no got to get there
2: and that's like that's what that's what's gonna bring make the rodeo product on TV better if you put those right people in place.
1: And even, even like, we can talk about that for a sec, but, like, yeah. you know, Don, Don, I don't think Donnie Gay does a very good job talking about the bull riding at the NFR. It's, it's, all, all, it's, all, it's all
2: fluff, man. It's not, there's yeah, no there's added no, value. There's not a
1: lot of great content
2: in there. Yeah.
1: I would much rather listen to McBride at the NFR on the, oh, yeah. the NFR broadcast. Or, and you it know who else is really good at that? Is time, Ty
2: Murray, man, is really good also. And I still
1: like, like McBride better. I but I'm just pride, saying, like,
2: there's the, for the people available yeah. in the space, like, there's so many good people who can yeah. do the job. And Craig
1: Hummer is an incredible professional, uh, but mm. the difference between Murray and McBride is the excitement. When yeah. Payke won the two million dollars today. McBride, McBride was, was excited. Pumped. Yeah. 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 Where yeah. Todd be like, oh, that's cool. This is great. This is that, and it, mm. it wouldn't be as exciting. But McBride adds the excitement that, for yeah. me, so the so the Global Cup. We'll go back. So first things first, though. Dawson Hay wins the bronc ride in four hundred thousand. Huge. The, one of the only Canadians to have won the American title. The other one would be... Oren. Oren? Oren won money. didn't win the whole thing, though, did the he? The only really? one that
2: he wanted a couple years you ago. He won 100000 Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I forgot who had won or not. Yeah. But, but uh, another Canadian adding their
2: name to the uh, winners of the American. Congrats Dawson. Yeah. And, and Ben Anderson, man. Pound back oh. to him. He put it all so out that, there, man. He's it's cool, man. Those Canadian bronc riders, they're kicking, they're kicking ass, out. dude. I, I looked through the world standings the other day, and like you see, Cole Ashback or Lucas Maxa. Man, I remember when oh. Lucas was too scared to get on a steer? You
3: now he's kicking <laughs> ass, like
2: like In the bronc riders. Man, riding. fucking good for him. I'm pumped. So it's good to see all those guys doing good. The Proggy Bandits having a hell of a season. Well, and he Seems had a chance. He every...
1: Colby had a chance to win the mil, uh, the million dollar like the big prize today too, but didn't make it out of the uh, the, the long run. go the Yeah, long run. but Ben Anderson has a shot to win two million. And gets bucked off. He's going for uh, trying to win the round. He's got to be. And you got to do it, man. He's got to go for it. And yeah. he goes for it and, and gets bucked off. So pretty cool. The Rocky Mountain House. Um, it's cool to Alberta see. Alberta Cowboy has a chance at the, at the two million. I wonder what's going through that guy's head right now. I want to. We might have to talk to him on the, one of the next shows and be like, dude, what was going on? Like, what
2: was well, I think I, happening? For, if I like, I'm like, this is just me putting myself in this position. Like, if as long as I knew I put everything out there, left it all in the arena like that's you can't be disappointed in that
1: yeah but do you think how much how many times throw to well, his life now go, will he go to bed and be like oh fuck I could have won two million
2: oh like, <laughs> i'm sure to me a few times but it'll <laughs> be a be, little bit haunting it'd be, it? it'd, be, it'd be comforting to know that you because he, he has to be over 90 some points to, 91 win, right? to win ninety one yeah, so you 90 to win 90 yes you gotta quarters, go you gotta 91. go for it and, yeah i mean if that if you put your everything you had into it and then he, and it just wasn't it enough. Work, yeah. That's the way she goes, man. Yeah. For in a guy in his position, like you can't let that haunt you because it's gonna bother wow. you everything else you do. And he's, that's what I think. I think for him, it's a character builder where it's like, hey, and next time in that position, like he's it's gonna make but him that will much better. will he ever enough. have a
1: chance to be in the position to win two million
2: dollars again in his
1: life? Maybe, maybe next year, man. Yeah, but no, not next year because it's only a one million dollar rodeo. This was a carried over prize from oh, okay. previously. Well, Lacey.
2: well, maybe, but maybe the prize money goes up over time. Who knows? Like possibly things change. You might right? not but, see
1: another two million dollar. Payday in one. Of you'd hope you like to though. You hope it could be I'd optimistic. love to. I just don't yeah. know if
2: we will. I don't know if I mean, will. if they if they keep putting out banger events like that, it's it's not it be hard for the prize money to grow, eh? Very true.
1: Um, but so, so uh, and then I I don't know what the crowd was. How many people were there? But I think it would rival one of the bigger crowds. But they had Tim McGraw and Faith Hill there for the intermission. So I don't know how many people bought a ticket to see Tim and Faith. Whereas with the PBR Iron Cowboy a few years ago, they had forty six thousand there. It was the largest attended Western sports event ever, and as far as I know, it was Western sports exclusive. Because you can compare rodeo Houston, they get ninety thousand, but mm. they have George Strait too, so it's not actually mm. just a rodeo. So
2: the, one, the nice thing, the one thing about the American did though is they marketed the rodeo first. And but just Tim and about... Faith
1: were pretty major parts. For of sure, it, they're part you know, of it, but but the, but it was at the focal the the focal
2: point too is still around the yeah. rodeo and the content there. So I mean, like I agree with yeah. you, like it's still the Tim and Faith aspect definitely helps put some butts in the seats, but. Yeah, so about about the rodeo.
1: Yes, correct. And it and I I got to say hats off to Luke Kaufman, Keenan Vine, the entire production staff. That was a snappy show. That thing was freaking running like a top. It was yes. it might have been 5 hours between the long round concert and short round, but like that was you were there's of no content. there's no
2: lulls, yeah.
1: That was a lot of content. So I was and and so comparing today to yesterday and the Global Cup, I was disappointed this year with the Global Cup, honestly. It was a very I underwhelming thought, event, man. Yeah. I thought that uh being one day was a knock at it. Um it didn't feel as prestigious this time. But also, I can just say I didn't get to see the opening, so I wouldn't have been as pumped up because it was cool to hear Brett afterwards. I realized that he introduced Team Canada, which was pretty neat. But then um but but the having the in arena feed with that wasn't featured on the broadcast, it just was it wasn't like we were there and we could kind of hear some crowd noise. It just didn't quite feel like we didn't have the energy like McBride on the broadcast. And no, and not, that's not a knock on Flint or Matt West or Clint Atkins. It just they, I don't. They're in the broad, arena.
2: They're focused on the event yeah. that they're doing there. They're not trying. They're not but, for the TV yeah. crowd. but but
1: awesome. Yeah. We got to watch it on Facebook with uh, like on the PBR Canada, PBR Australia Facebook pages. Both had it mm-hmm. in streaming, so it was really cool to be able to watch. I just yeah, it was a little bit disappointed but TV, and it was a two-horse race it was team usa against brazil so i don't know if it's a format change sometime or if they're losing steam with this or if it might go away because we got the the team uh challenge on the go but I'm, I'm not sure i just was i was a little bit sad with with how it was last last night it just wasn't as you know comparing these two i always thought the global cup was a better event than the american in the last few years but today like i don't know if it's just the broadcast skewing things but but i was I was uh, really impressed today and, and not it, it a, was it's hard
2: to build the the cool thing about the global cup has been the storylines that come from it right there's, like, yeah. there's there's been there's there's drama there's this and that the team there's some more the team aspect has a greater carries greater value when it's multiple days rather than just one event it's like okay, you have your seven guys that get one chance whereas mm-hmm. like you can have like over the course of a weekend event you have guys who can who can carry a team you have guys who can set up to a plate. like you even like looking at team Canada like cover check was he was half, right there. He was right there to be a bunch of points. Jared. Five, like, had just, it
1: was seven point nine five, and they could have won either way.
2: Yeah, Jared had a tough go. Like Jordan and those, those guys. Compete, and they can compete at that level. They have at certain times, yeah. right? So it's I just mean, a
1: matter of that they, don't, they don't compete at that level consistently. There's a
2: lot. There's a lot more luck involved in a one day event for a team. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Like, a team like that. Yeah. For just just for any any of the teams. Like you look at whatever. I think Mexico, over a weekend the Wolves, of yeah, over a weekend of might
1: be more chance. At least like. At least you're not out of competition after the first
2: day, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I guess, right? It's...
1: There's like there's a chance mathematically, there's a chance, yeah. And I think that that's that, that, adds a to that horse, dramatic race. aspect,
2: right? Yeah, but, ah, anyways,
1: okay, really good show coming up here, folks. Uh, BJ cramps, it was fun to get caught up with BJ, have a chat here. And uh, I, I gotta say, one thing really stood out to me. I hope you enjoy it was the, the chat we had about uh, about Glenn Keeley and and, his, and their time together, um, and just what happened with Glenn. We're coming up on the anniversary there here in a couple weeks. Uh, It was March 24th, 2000, that Glenn passed away. One of the best ever from Canada. Uh, And and BJ takes us back to that that day in this show. So um, stay tuned for that and uh, and enjoy the show. Again, I'm Ted Stovin. He's Wayce Anderson. This is Cowboy Shit, episode 112. Thanks for listening. We'll be back.
3: I'm gonna pack my bags and walk away I'm heading nowhere but I hear that I know knowing I'm there So I think I'm headed out west My friends all tell me that Tucson's the best I Tell my mom and dad I'll ride them when I have time I Tell my brother and sister I miss them most I bless them each day with the sun and holy ghost Thank you, Lord, for letting me be set free. I may
0: run with the devil. I may run with the devil. I may run with the devil, but it's never catching up to me.
1: Welcome back to the show. Thank you to our next guest for joining us. Five times he competed at the PBR World Finals. He had two event wins at the PBR's elite level. He's originally from Crooked Creek, Alberta. Now making his home in Morristown, Tennessee. Please welcome to the show, BJ Cramps. Hey guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this with us. Uh, we were just talking. We hadn't, we never met in person. It's kind of like one of those things with, uh, we did a show a while ago with, uh, with Rob Bell, and, I, and he's living in, uh, in Louisiana now, but originally Canadian. So a guy that we looked up to along a lot of the time when we were kids. Wasey, I'm sure you saw BJ in the, uh, the eight, I was about to say even,
2: uh, yeah, but, uh watching the PBR and OLN every weekend. And BJ and Rob and all them guys were. And Ruben fellow- too. Yeah, fellas, we fellas we w- grow up watching and getting the. Yeah, it was the Eight Seconds magazine, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, PR, I at the local yeah. drugstore. That was like yeah, the yeah. Like gateway to yeah. bull riding when I was a kid. It's pretty cool. It's was pretty cool, cool to
2: be in this moment now to be able to have, like, like like Ted mentioned earlier, we had that interview with Rob over last year and now being able to chat with BJ. It's pretty cool. Also, one thing that I that I noticed too is BJ is like one of the few guys who've rode on tour wearing a TK vest. And when I was oh, competing, yeah. I rode, I rode I rode with a TK vest. Um so it's cool very few with... of us. Yeah.
3: Uh, Troy Dunn, Troy Dunn wore One for a while, uh, he, he wore one for a while, but there, there are few and far between. Not very many of us uh, like, so, uh, you know, use them.
2: So maybe that's something you can touch on is, like, why did you choose to, to do that hard shell vest as opposed to the, the other, like, softer shell, like, equestrian oh, style vest?
3: It just, I mean, it's it's like asking about, a, a you know, why would you take the $100,000 job? I mean, I, I take a baseball bat to, to you wearing each one and let me know how you mm-hmm. feel after the first swing. Like, well, they, so, and
2: for a good point. One of the one of the things I found with it, too, is it kept, like, my posture, right? Like, it was easier to keep my chest stuck out with the TK vest as opposed to, like, with the Phoenix, like, softer shell vest. It's easier to slouch. You kind of get that hump in your back, whereas the TK, like, kept you kind of upright in your chest out. And then when I was down, when I was down at Gary the Fuse for the week, he taught me a trick of, like, loosening up the one side where your free arm is on the, wow. when you do it up, so you had a bit more movement with your free hand, but anyways, that's well, a cool thing to note, yeah.
3: Well, one little tidbit on there that this is kind of funny to touch on that, I mean, hardly anyone would ever even bring that up, right, they don't even notice the equipment unless you wear it, you just don't even, mm-hmm. but but the funny thing is, I would order a large back and a medium front.
2: That's what I did too.
3: Just, you know, I would bring that size down, yeah, okay, you know, just just like what you're talking with a free
2: yeah it's pretty cool yeah it's, it's neat to know like I'm, a, I'm an equipment nerd whether it be with rodeo or even hockey stuff it's neat to see like the modifications that every guy makes to like their own certain style and stuff it's it's neat to see yeah i'm
1: uh, i'm trying to think of where to start here now i'm looking at some stuff here on pro bowl stats and i watch a bunch of the videos on youtube and on your youtube channel and um i guess first thing i, I that came up here is 2004 world finals you got on a lot of rank rank uh bulls that week holy smokes crossfire hurricane splinter reindeer dipping of the crash that that was a pretty rank week of bull, bull riding there yeah it would that have been, been really
3: great to stay on one you know? <laughs> uh, and i uh uh well anyone can whine about you know little injuries and stuff like that but anyway I, you know, I was struggling a little bit with something just in in my grip or in my neck i had surgery on it you know early in the next year but at the time you know you think it's you'd think the injury is in your shoulder it's really in your neck and anyways, you know, whatever. But, uh, that was a long week falling off all them bulls. Like that's sucks. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
2: I guess the wear on the body. Well, why don't we, why don't we jump into to the beginning? Like, how'd you, like, where'd you start? Like, how'd you, you from Crooker Creek, Alberta, like Teddy mentioned in the beginning, like where, where'd you get your start and how'd you get that pathway to the, the PBR's elite level?
3: Gotcha. Yep. So, uh, my parents both rodeoed. My dad competed in the CPRA. He was mostly rode bareback horses, and, you know, like, he was good but not great. Like, got real close to making the cane finals a couple times. He was 11th, you know, that kind of thing, you know. And, and so he, he had dabbled in the the pro rodeo world. Mom just, you know, rodeo, rodeoed amateur. And so I went with Dad, and I, I rode sheep. And, I mean, I thought I was on tour, buddy. Like, I took my <laughs> own rope, and, I mean, it was – you know, I can remember Jack Dane's announcing, you know, when, when I was, so anyway, uh, went with dad and, you know, the, the, the sheep turns into steers and, and then I, I got to riding steers fairly well. And then in, in the CPRA, you know, they had that boy steer riding. And so from way up in Northern Alberta, that's really when I, when I was 12, I took out my, my pro card and went to the Hobima Christmas Rodeo. And I, you know, started, Dad said, I'll take you to the first one. So Dad took me to the Hobima Christmas Rodeo, and then he told me I was on my own. And the next weekend, I found a ride with Dawn Link, and she came by my house, and we went all the way down to Medicine Hat, took me forever to get home. But, but I used to take the Greyhound bus down to Merrithorpe, jump in with Danny Golden and wow. Travis hey. Rie, and, and so it was a few hours away. I, uh, my mom taught me to lie and say I was a year younger. Even when I turned 13, she told me to lie and say I was 12 so we got price fare on the bus. <laughs> it sounds like child abuse now, but like riding the Greyhound bus in Canada, like like you don't do that in the U.S. Like so, you gotta like explain to people that like normal people take the bus, cause anyways. Uh, but but yeah, I, I just literally kind of hitchhiked. But in the rodeo world, like just like when you were twelve, home, we that's, that's rodeo. Yeah. yeah so, shit. so, well, every time I got there, you know, I was like, oh, well, wait, well, you're Dave Kramps's boy, right? Oh, okay. Well, hey, you need a place to stay. And then, I mean, it just, it, it sounds funny from the outside to think I just catch a ride to the first one. And then you show up and go, hey, who's going to Armstrong? You know, and, well, I mean, yeah. anyone welcomes you in. And, and so I went around and then I got to the last rodeo of the weekend, Wastie. I'd, I'd look at a program and i am just trying to figure out what's the, the furthest north and, and just, and then just go, hey, does anyone know this bulldogger? You know, be like, hey, I'm a steer rider. Of course they'd go out of your out of their way to help you. Yeah. But that's what got me into the pro rodeo world of going back and forth. At the time, you know, we didn't drive a vehicle that was gonna make it, you know, down south to the rodeos <laughs> or whatever. So I hitched around and and then, you know, the animals got bigger, went to went to college in Twin Falls, Idaho on a rodeo scholarship yes, I won a national title, but, you know, I, I mean, it was my first year. I wasn't really a part of that, a whole bunch. And then I turned professional, you know, and, and in 98 was the first year I rode in the PBR. Uh, and then quit in 2005, you know, and com- so I went to the final seven or, sorry, five out of those seven full years that I competed and managed to stay on tour, I guess, Um Quite a bit of the time in there, which was just, I guess, the funnest thing of my life is just getting to be on that tour and make a living for such a long duration.
1: You, uh, when I was doing some research, I found that your, uh, I watched a clip on your, your mom won in the, on the team roping side of things. Where did you do that? Was that some of the CGRA stuff or where?
3: Yep. Where did yeah, you uh, do that? Yep. Yeah, my mom, uh, she was a Canadian champion in that CGRA. Now, that would be, like, in 1989 or 90, like, it's, you know, so I'm, so Mom was active when I was, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12, I mean, she was active, um, my dad maybe would be riding around that time, so they were active, you know, when I was young, and then, you know, us kids kind of took over as they got out of it.
1: So, Denny, Denny Golden, that's a name I haven't heard in quite a while, but, and then Don Link, is that? Brad's
3: wife. Brad's, Brad's wife is Don.
1: Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. okay. so.
3: Yeah, so she was a barrel racer from up in uh, – like, so she lived up north uh, of me. Yeah, like well, high level uh, or where? Like high uh, –
1: she was – High prairie. No, it would have been that.
3: No, it's – it's. I was going to say high level, but she lived in like LaGlass, I think. Um, oh, really? Man, we're oh. going to have to fact check that. She lived somewhere <laughs> kind of close like LaGlass. I was young. I don't need to uh, – I'm not supposed to be able to remember they just my parents made me make all the phone calls. So as a 12-year-old kid, total stranger, it was like, hey, here's Don Lynch's number, you call her, you know, and you ask her if you can get a ride to Medicine Hat, you know? And it was That's just Amazing. Like, Hello?
2: I wonder. So so over that time, did you eventually get like a group of people to travel with as you progressed further into the steer riding thing and got kind of went to more rodeos and competed or was well, it just well, kind nobody, of the same thing over overall?
3: Well, well, I mean, with no driver's license like yeah, so, so I was like, unless Rod Warren, who, who was from Valby, but Rod yeah, never Ballyby. came back to Valleview, hardly at all. Do Daryl Sholmack so was, was from Valleview, but he never came home either. I mean, those, I would see those guys and be like, Hey, you going home? They're like, no. Like, so. And
2: you're going to be back to yeah, school. I'm like, like don't probably. live up there. What are you
3: doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, so to see Kent and Randall, you know, but even he was North Edmonton. So, so anyway, yeah. Catching a few of those guys. Um, there was lots of hands that were kind of from around there, but, but yeah, I got a group of guys. I amateur rodeoed as I rode steers. I mean, we held cards and every association cause they're all sudden death, right? You try and make the finals in the LRA and the NRA and the wild Rose, and, you know, and then you just try and show up and you know, see what you can do.
0: So
1: where did you go between, uh, Steer riding in the CPRA and, and college rodeos. There's a little bit of a gap where you can't go to the pro rodeos. Yeah. Was that, the, that was probably the Amateur Times, I guess. LRA, yeah, FCA, the Amateur Times, so the
3: NRA Northwest yeah. Rodeo Association. Rio Grande. Yeah. was yeah. your first win, hey, Teddy?
1: Yeah, that was the first place I ever won in the steer riding, was Rio <laughs> Grande.
3: Yeah. I think, I think uh, well, those things... The finals
1: are, were like Fort St. John, though, I think, weren't they? Back then, or where they were they? They were...
3: When I was a steer rider, they were in Chetwin.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
3: They were in Chetwin. For, that's when Daryl Mills, Daryl Mills won the NRA. And when he was and listen, like 16, was, wasn't he? I was a steer rider. I don't know how old he was, but he won like, I think he might've won the bareback ride that year too. So it's legit bareback rider. He rode bareback horses professional. I mean, it's, it's on film somewhere. <laughs> so, but he wrote bareback Horse at NRA. And I mean, um, Ike Peters had a bull Darktown that nobody in the amateurs rode. Like nobody rode Darktown. He was a you know, he was a 22 bull, and and nobody rode him. Uh, and then Daryl Mills rode him at the NRA finals. You know, and and spurred him a little bit. You know, and Damn. he's 92 points. So that would have to be like, you'll have to look this up, Tibbet. It might be, like, 1990,
1: you know. In the, in the NRA. I, I, yeah. I'm on the Wild Rose website right now. I, I can't even find, like, past champions. I know the only place where I could actually find that stuff would be in the in the uh, programs at the finals. I remember looking back and seeing, like, Derek Adams on Dr. X. That was, like, a picture that was in the Wild Rose finals. Oh, yeah. A bunch, yeah. Of, bunch of names in there and, like, I can remember some of that stuff, but I, I don't know where the heck a guy would even find this stuff now. that the... Well,
3: Daryl Mills will know what year he won it, and, and, and okay. I, I can figure it out. But but here's the funny thing. Like, the funny thing is, or, or I guess what, what makes me feel important, is, like, way up there in that tiny little Chetwin arena where, like, 28 people can sit on the left side. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and, 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 like, they're all family. No. So, so watching that and just watching, like, Daryl ride Darktown. You know, just, just being there for that moment, you know, um, so remote, so middle of nowhere. And then, like, I'm going to say five years later, he was the champ. Like, yeah, the and four years after that, I mean, he was like just a few bucks from being the champ. Yeah.
1: Wasn't it $12 I mean? or something? Or it was less it, than 100 bucks, 95 bucks, right? In 90...
3: No, I was like I thought it was like twenty or well, whatever it was. I thought it was, was twenty three bucks, but yeah. but anyway, yeah, less than a hundred bucks. And and so but if you read, like if you really just look at his resume, dude, it's just like wins this, yeah, wins I mean, this, meow. wins this, yeah, and then just wins like there's just and yeah. then it's just like, oh, almost won the world, okay, won it. Like, all right. See like, you there's later. nothing else to do. Like yes. I'll be in Pink Mountain if you need me. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: or less right. Well and uh the, one of the crazy things with Daryl is in
2: Canada after he won the world. That was yeah. interesting. That's a, kind of a rare one. Skipped a step. So w- would, would Daryl been one of those guys who would have been like a mentor influence for you or who were kind of the, the people that were you looked up to as you kind of progressed this steer outing in the amateurs and that kind of stuff?
3: Right. So Wacy, um, again, this will be a little bit unique talking to me. Like, we didn't have much for television growing up. We had two stations, right? Canadians, like hockey and the other channel, right? So so I mean <laughs> and news, I remember you got the hockey Calgary, or the news. <laughs> yeah. So so I remember the Calgary Stampede would come on and like, listen, I only knew the Bull Riders who made like the top ten and the top four of that, or an old NFR VHS tape that someone might have laying around like no satellite television, never got to watch the NFR. The first time I met Tuff it's the first time I'd ever seen the guy, 1998, I, you know, he introduced, like, I did not know. He never made the Calgary final four. I did not, didn't know the man. Wow. <laughs> so no idea on, didn't pay attention. Didn't pay it. So from the Bush, like from the Bush. Legit. Yep. And, you know, Greyhound bus, you know, like yeah. just trucking. over. I, I took a Greyhound bus to the 98 finals. Oh
1: say. shit. All the way to Vegas.
3: No, me? no, I was with Glenn Keeley at his girlfriend, at Christie's house, his fiance's house in Los Angeles. And like when you're traveling with Glenn, I mean, even if you're frugal, he takes it to another level, right? So <laughs> it was a $48 uh, bus ticket, you know, round trip in case I needed it versus the flight was, you know, 160 bucks. And it was just like, well, it's a five hour bus ride, you know, no, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's five hour bus ride and, you know, it's going to take you three hours to fly the thing. And so it's just the class thing of showing up. I mean, you, you gotta, if you showed up, uh, if you booked your flight to the PBR and you told them when your flight was that they, they they brought you in on a limo. So really? you get off the plane They'd have a sign for you because they knew when you're coming in, it'd say B.J. Cramps, and then they'd put you in a limousine and take you to the Gold Coast or Inter- uh, Mandalay Bay. Uh, Mandalay Bay, is that what was? Caesars
1: in 98, I think, wasn't it? Or was it MGM?
3: No. Well, MGM, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, MGM, right? MGM is where I competed in 98. So, I mean, they would take you in the bank, but I just rolled in on, you know. On the just bus. roll in on the bus. It's cool. Yeah, and then took Both the, the red city carpet. bus.
1: Took the city bus to the MGM, probably. The,
3: that's like the <laughs> shuttle. Yes. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent.
1: Holy. Well, so, yeah. oh, there's a lot of ways we could go with that. Um, I gotta ask more of the northern stuff. I gotta just quick one here. Have the donuts at the uh, gas station in Crooked Creek always been great, or is that just a recent thing? Is that new ownership?
3: It it was new ownership. So growing oh, up, we did not those oh, midnight did yeah. not own that. They didn't have that business going. I was robbed. I was oh, robbed that of is that. Robbed. Yeah.
2: It's probably it, honestly, though, probably good for your bull riding career because we're just <laughs> crushing donuts
0: <laughs>
3: every week. That's weekend. right. I definitely would have been a sumo wrestler. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so
1: so we get uh we get rodeo on, and and like I look back at your career here on the on the uh it was Bud Light Cups at the time, and I think I think the PBR says your career earnings is like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is kind of crazy. But like, if you're only paying forty eight dollars a weekend for travel, you, you can actually still make some money at that in a few years of that, right? Like if you can travel really cheap and split rooms with people, like you're really not spending that much. So
3: I think, I think my, I think my career, that might, maybe that's just in the cups, right? Yes, so cups then, or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. It seems so like it was I light, think, but still like, like, here's a really good picture. Uh, and this will uh, kind of, kind of roll into the topic of where the money's at today too. Okay. So if you look, I think my career earnings are about like, 235 grand or or something like that is what was what they kind of calculate to if I remember right. So I rode bulls for like seven years. (laughs) Like it's, it's kind of a a lame wage when you really kind of look at it and just do the math on
1: risking your life too. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. So, so when you do that, okay. Um, so that, that in and of itself is fine. But in those years, um, I, uh, I would do promotional work for the PBR, right? So I lived the PR on the road stuff. like a gypsy. So they always had guys going in early, and they would do the you'd talk radio, television. Yeah, they go still to the do. Yeah, and they exactly. still
1: pay for your room, and they pay for your meals, and they pay for a few things.
3: Well, and they fly. They pay you a thousand bucks to bring you in a couple days early, and and, yeah. and and so you're you're getting. Paid. So listen, so I I did that. So I kind of like had this rolling job where you didn't have to fly home to Canada. And then with the sponsorships and the whatever else, I mean, I don't know if I would have been making 75000 bucks a year or something if you looked at my total income in those years. And then, you know, yeah, like I, I probably had a $50,000 a year lifestyle. And I promise you, I do have that 25000 You know, I still have it. You saved but, it. But, you actually saved yeah.
1: money while you were riding bulls on, the, yes. on the, at the top level.
3: Yes. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm,
1: yeah. That's impressive uh, for, for, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed.
2: Not a lot of guys do that. It, it's, it's be tough to find. Like, it's a very small percent of guys who actually have that foresight to, to, to play away and save some money. I don't yet.
3: think there was anyone else that I traveled with. No, I'm just, I'm being mostly joking there, but pr- <laughs> probably very <curious. laughs> Nobody else in
2: the bus was saving their their pennies to travel, around. Yeah.
3: So if you joke around with Kelly Armstrong and Austin Beasley and Curtis Anderson, um, they always uh, used to say I'm the richest man in rodeo. And, uh, and anyway, you know, it was just a standing joke because I bought them Red Bulls one time coming out of a gas station. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, to, you know, guys, when they first – like here's how hillbilly I am. I mean, when, when they first had Justin McKee. Uh, he came to me after I won Wooster in '99, and I was in the top five or, or whatever at the start of the year. And Justin McKee came to me and he said, "BJ, he said, listen, man, he goes, start washing your riding jeans. <laughs> like, why would anyone wash their riding jeans? What's the like, point? Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, he was trying to. Uh, there was another time we went to uh. We went to an event where it was one of those things like that uh, MGM where, where it was a casino deal and the event center was inside the building. It was in one of the Dakotas. Uncus,
1: it was not. It's not Uncasville, Connecticut. I remember that one. It was a casino at Mohegan Sun, wasn't it? Okay, was that it history? might.
3: It it might be that event. Okay, it might be that event. And we're staying there. And I went to go get like a coffee cup out of my car, like a to-go mug. Couldn't find my car. Eventually, oh. long story short, figured out by calling up. Like it's stolen. Or, or try to call it in stolen missing. Well, it's in a. It's been towed to this yard. We called the yard like, hey, why this thing get towed? They're like, well, let us look it up, and they're like, oh yeah, it's such and such casino. I'm like, well, that's where I'm staying. I called down there, and they're like, Mr. Cramps, we're so sorry. We thought that car was abandoned. Like, oh, it's God. a rusted <laughs> white Oldsmobile, you know, and they just they thought it was abandoned. And I'm on tour, like I'm on the 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 Whatever level, you know, with all the riders and like they're treating us important, you know. But, I mean, I learned to park across the street and walk to autograph sessions. Like I drove an 89 Oldsmobile. I'll send you a picture of it or you can look it up. (laughs) But it's anyway, I was I was frugal. I owned a sixteen hundred dollar car because when they're parked for three months in Denver, you know, it doesn't make much sense that it would cost three times that.
2: Jeez. Okay. Oh, wow. and, that's, and, that, and that's like, but that that was like ingrained in you from the beginning, like having to call for rides, take the bus, like that, like that lifestyle and that way of rodeoing was how you done it from the beginning. So nothing had really changed as you climbed up the ladder.
3: That's an excellent observation, Wacy. So, so I can remember, I mean, yeah, our mom, when we we're at those amateur rodeos, you know, teaching us. So we were never told like, well, we can't afford that son. Like, no, supreme confidence. Right. So it's like, yeah. listen, guys. You see those people over there wasting $23 in that hotel room? Not smart. You know, it was just like, you know, those people won't – those never make it. You know, and it was just like, like, let's just shovel the horse shit out of the back of the trailer and lay down some straw, throw down the foams, yeah, and yeah. put our Tarp sleeping first.
1: bags up. Tarp first. <laughs> Tarp yep. and then sleeping bags. Yeah. Yep. That's wild. So, yep. holy, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was trying to find your – like your profile on the PBR website cuz that shows some of the stats there it was pretty slick um, but it said like 150,000 and but you won you really had uh, good luck in Grand Rapids you were first and second there in back to back years I think Won like 19001 year and I think the year you won it you won 20 grand so 20 grand in 2003 is worth what now like 45 or 50 I'd have to look at a inflation calculator but it actually the payouts really have not improved much in the last 25 years is what my point is.
3: Yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm not completely current on how their payouts work or what they're making, you know, at the end of these shows and stuff or how much they're riding. I
1: I could tell you right now, let me look it up here. Uh, I just saw, I just saw LA. Mm -hmm. LA is tomorrow night um, and it was, it's like, it's 5,000 around and then it was, it was, uh, like, it's not, it's not a whole lot different. This is my my point is I'm trying to. what
2: what's Stetson win in St. Louis when he won it? Like uh, six six six. He won he
1: won a bit extra because he won some money in the fifteen fifteen. But, sorry, please proceed.
3: No, yeah. So sometimes that stuff is is um, yeah. And then there, it just depends what else they have going on, right? Like how many other bells and whistles. So for instance, um uh you know we had the built for tuck challenge you know we had the mossy oak challenge so you've got these little other things but again it all still matters to to what did the what did the 15th guy make this you know what did the 15th guy end up with at the end of the year and this year what did the or take the 25th guy you know and and then you just i can remember us voting for the uh payout uh you know way back when i started listen when i started guys Cody Lambert. I mean, well, he was done riding, but but some of those board members still competed. Okay, uh, the Corrigos were board members, so so sometimes in the dressing room, I can remember Cody coming in, going, "Hey, listen, Tony Mendes and uh, Dan, um, I'll think of his name in a minute. Hendrix. They're not going to make. They're not going to make their flights. Like, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to like do we ban them for a year because they're missing an event? You know, they were at a rodeo. Do we just replace them in the short round? Like." Like it was like a board meeting, and and we're just there because you know we're at the event, but so many of the riders were competing. It was just like this executive decision was being made in that boardroom. Well, Dang. the 20 guys that formed that thing, I mean, they're all they're in their 50s, right? I mean, they're yeah, now. Yeah. So so, but back then, buddy, it was a different deal, and that was I mean, tough was tough was majorly all for the rider. You know, even though by the time I showed up, he never got on a bull after I was there. But he was he was an advocate for sure.
1: So I got I got to ask about that. But I'm looking back to the last one on record on the website is 2005, and you got Bridwyn 1.5, Galarme has half a million. Then you get down everybody in the top ten. Not not everybody in the top ten. Ross Coleman and Tony Mendez didn't make a hundred grand, and they're top ten in the world. You go right. down a few. There's a couple guys one offs that made. Made over 100, but it's mostly like 50, 60, 40, 40, 50, 60. Like, I'd have to, you'd have to go get a spreadsheet to go, because then 05 was still top 45, right? But another right. canadian guy, Matt Roy's 48th, he made 16,000, 48th in the world. Like, he's just, you know, they don't, I don't, what I feel like that? that's 05. That oh. was all PCB money, I think, when they, because that was the first year, it, it was, that, that was last year before it changed, because it went to canada was 06, <laughs> yeah, when Shifter wanted it, but still, like, the, 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 it's, it's, it's almost starving the secondary guys a little bit. It seems like still, but I, I'm just, I'm just making a, making a point on that side of it. But, um,
3: well, we got to, well, the reason I brought that up is we got to vote on the payout. So oh, really? us guys, we got to vote. We got to structure the payout. So back in the early, I mean, man, it was nice. Like you got to run the deal, right. Or feel or really? like you did. So I remember, the, the reason I remember it so well is Mike White. Like there was, there was there was several different things to choose from, but you kind of got like your A B C D. B and C were like the two normal things that everyone was gonna pick, and like A and D, you know, obviously weren't gonna make the short list. You understand? And A. How, so what was, was the difference? Well, yeah. well, I'm just I'm just trying to get to the fact that like you know B was like, hey, the number one guy makes this, number two guys like like it kind of makes sense. So, Uh, so, so, but, but picture, but D was just like, you know, they really spread the money thin. A was just like, it was all at the top. Like the winner, like the rounds paid everything to the winner. And the average paid everything winner were like, you know, the third guy didn't get nothing for the weekend. And Mike White just, I remember him being right behind him in line. It was all confidential, but he just checked that, that box A, like he was so everyone there's pretty confident Ted, but he was so convinced he was gonna win first. That, oh, really? Like he was losing money if he didn't check that box A, which was just the winner got everything.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Huh? What? And it kind of makes sense. Like you gotta you have to incentivize it a bit. Um, and yeah, you gotta incentivize it to win. I guess it just seems like some of the, some of the, you know, guys in the cusp – Like one example recently is is Dakota Butter, a guy from up here that wants to ride at that high level but goes down there and one example is like there's an event this week in la and he goes uh oh you didn't get didn't
2: they They turned her off as a false alarm i think oh uh, good deal good deal
1: but so we're just we're talking <laughs> Sorry, about payout and in, uh and dakota butter dakota goes to la to the last cowboy standing i think they call it he and, lost
2: money when he's down there
1: yeah he goes and makes two thousand dollars for finishing in the top four because that one is a is a number isn't it's an a in the in the in the uh, in the checklist where everybody where the guy at the, at the top wins all the money and then everybody else gets a little bit. It's, it, look, it's advertised as good because the guy that wins wins a hundred grand or two hundred or whatever. But Wait, has, they showed they showed a place graphic place after that weekend,
2: and the guy who won the PBR Australia event in Australia won more money and points than Dakota did for finishing second at the last Cowboy Standing. Yeah,
1: fourth. He was fourth, but or whatever
2: wherever fin- he finished. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But it's kind of a it's kind of silly how that all works out. But
1: this, this kind of goes back a little bit though, BJ, to the, to, to tough almost essentially, cause tough stood up for the riders and then they kicked him out. Didn't they like, like, or he left? Cause he went and started the CBR around, well, definitely when you were there, right? Didn't it happen in Florida it, or oh, Reno? I or, was, it all I went was down. I was there.
3: Wasn't it? Yeah, I was there at the divorce meeting. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. It was a, I mean, it was a, we all gathered there. There's not near enough time, nor, nor would I want to really talk about that, probably too much, or, 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 you know, say too much without that, them other guys can talk about all that. There was a lot of, of moving parts there going on as to why, you know, he left and ended up going to, to, to start that. But, but the, so the money there, I mean, I recognize that. I see that, and, and, um, okay. I would have to do more research before, before stating, but I'm going to say that it was still a problem. I remember talking to my father. I, I, I'm I'm fairly smart business wise. And I remember sitting up in crooked Creek, Alberta on dial up internet, booking plane tickets to go all the way down to, to Florida and then, and then over to North Carolina and then to fly to the, the touring pro finals in Denver and what it was going to cost in the flights, the entry fees, and just mapping it all out. And and I just, and I looked, and if I placed fourth everywhere. Okay. So it's interesting. You said fourth. I remember just going like that. If I went fourth, like, like I'm, you know, I, it, it doesn't work, you know, like I can't make any money,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know? And, and, and then just at that point, listen, I've been on tour for a while at this point, like this is, this is coming back off an injury. It's like, you know, and it was just like, listen, just, just, <clears throat> just go. It's business. You know, so you just go. And I mean, I went, it, it's a, it's neat because it went down there and then you win and, and you know, and it all makes sense. But listen, it, it, <clears throat> I'm happy to say that, that the prize money hasn't kept up with inflation, but I do want to say that bull riding is never going to make any financial sense. You're <laughs> never going to make any financial sense of it. So to sit around and have the discussion is a bit, you know, I mean, if that's what you, if you really want to, you know, make a terrific income, I mean, you just, that is not an area that I would pick and, and try and figure <laughs> out that, the, that this guy ought to be, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. So I think it's always been a problem and being so far away, it would, it, it, it keeps people from going. So Denny Golden wrote a lot better than I did a lot better than I did, you know, but, but he just didn't go, you know, for whatever reason. Right. So going, going is part of the skill set. financial management, Ted, financial management is part of rodeo. So Mm -hmm. it's part of it. All this stuff, well, he had great talent. If he just wouldn't have drank, well, listen, putting down the bottle is part of life. Right. So, so whatever it is, you know, I mean, listen, I would have beat Usain Bolt if he wasn't quicker.
0: <laughs> so,
3: so, I mean, you know, where does that kind of – and so I, I'm just saying going and that expense of going, listen, that was the reason – that was the whole reason for me not to go, right? That's the whole reason for, to, to, for all that stuff And never made any – and I was an NBA bench player, right? Like I wasn't Troy Dunn. It was impressive to be around Troy. Like he, he flew over and just won at will. Like, you know, that little trip I was telling you about where the flights didn't make sense. I mean, Troy did that from Australia. They cost 2,000 bucks. And he just said, like, yeah, I'll just fly over for three events. Like, surely I'll win two of them. And <laughs> when he did. Wow. Like, it just, so so to be able to do that um, and, and just watch those guys at that level, <clears throat> I thought I was going to be the champ, wasey Like, I thought I was going to, I thought I was 100% sure I was going to get home and talk about being the champ and like every year was just going to be another chapter of how I got there and do. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm done. And this never happened. And the cool part, Ted is just that, that I went and I know that the best that I ever was, was 23rd. There's nothing I could have done to finish any higher in the world standards. That is as good as I was.
1: That was, that was your, your peak. 23. Yeah.
3: I mean, well, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, if you do everything you can, you know, at least you're not sitting at home saying you could have done something.
2: Yeah. You Mm -hmm. try. At
3: least you're not home sitting there saying you could have. And so that's what the fear of failure is like the fear of failure is if you eat right, if you exercise, like if you actually gave a hundred, a hundred percent and you don't win, man, it's humbling. Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, I finished 23rd and then the next year, I stopped drinking, which was a part time job at the time, and ate correctly and exercised and got on practice rules almost every day. So, just like, I mean, and where, did you live? books, where I lived with Tony Mendez in Vernal, Utah when I did this.
1: Okay. So, in 2000,
3: and in, in, in the year 2000, is it 2001? Uh, no, 2000, I traveled with him. That's when I quit drinking because he didn't drink. So, I traveled with him. And um, I mean, I did all of that because the year before I just, you know, a couple years before I just living like a cowboy and party and just, you know, whatever, right? I can do this. I can ride these bulls with one hand. And then I'm like, okay, I can't beat these guys, you know, like, or whatever, like we're stalling out here. So let's try and give it that extra whatever. And so I did. And man. Like, I can't tell you how humbling it is to know that you're going to win in that arm wrestle and then just get beat. Like, you know, I, uh, I have a lot of respect, you know, just to compete at that level and, and to see that those guys that were, you know, I can say it now, like, like Mike Lee was better, you know, and Troy Dunn. Like, those guys were better riders than me. And, and was
1: it, was it uh, like, uh, what, what made them better? That's my next question.
3: With Mike Lee, it's like an accident. I mean, he just, so to sit there and talk to the guy, he's he's a high-level thinker. He he doesn't put it into words very well and word it very well, but he understands the physics of bull riding. Like, so when you're sitting there, uh, he didn't hardly open his mouth for the first six months he showed up. Didn't talk. And then I remember us just discussing some some bull, Ruben was talking about some bull and how he took off out of there. He he would squat in the chute and he'd take off and he'd get you way back here and And we were talking about that bull and just, I forget what bull that is. And, and and just, you know, how to get by him or what you're going to do. And, and then finally Mike's like, can I say something? You know, rides twice as good as us. You know, he's been around for like four months. You know, he's won, you know, five of the eight events he's been to, you know, can I say something? Like, yeah. And he's like, well, he's like, you know, you guys were always trying to, you know, and he was just talking about, Dropping and down, and the way he got to the front end, and anyway, just is interesting. But Troy, I don't think Troy ever really thought through any of his mechanics of anything he ever did. I mean, he just you know, he uh, just well, he's not going to talk about it,
1: yeah. <laughs>
3: uh, um, cool, cool steer riding story back when I rode Steersway. See, I mean, I showed up in Cranbrook, British Columbia, as a 12 or 13 year old steer rider. And we would get on the fence to watch a few bulls. One of them was called Katmandu, a black bull, might have been North Northcott bull, jump out there and spin to the right real fast, throw most guys off. So we'd get up there to watch him and this other bull named Copenhagen Payment. You know,
1: so that's a Northcott bull.
3: Yeah, um, and maybe it was a weatherly bull. Well, anyway, I don't know who's over there in, in Cranbrook or wherever we're at, but but Catmandu, this this black bull. Um, he just jumps out and gins it to the right, which is into Troy Dunn's. Now, no one knows who Troy Dunn is. And so he showed it's up rodeo. in Canada,
1: too. That was, yeah. was his first stop, right?
3: Right. So he's, he's up in Canada. He's riding bareback horses and bulls. Nobody knows him. None of us do. Ours. And so it's a rodeo crowd, so it's silent. Like, no one's making noise. And it, late gate latches, and then it's just, but, you know, <laughs> just the outside leg And all the steer riders are just, and he just spurs that bull. It seemed like the ride took forever. No crowd noise, no nothing. And just, no one cheering, and just spurred the life out of that bull. And then jumps off inside of the spin, because he rides right-handed, and just steps forward and doesn't even look behind him. And so, anyway, we thought he was He-Man. And... and, (laughs) And, like, it was another cool thing because no – like, he hadn't been nowhere, like, yet. You know, this was 1990 or 89 or whatever. In 1990, I guess. And so, like, yeah. I mean, we saw this guy. You know what I mean? It's it's like seeing the – just before he went down to the States. You know, he came over to Canada first, and it was like, yeah, we didn't forget his name after that. And, hmm. and, and one of the coolest moments for me uh, is in 98 – uh, maybe my fourth cup. I led it into the short round, and I got on a bull called Hollywood. Didn't know him at the time. Everyone did, but but didn't know him at the time. And so I'm getting on, and um, uh, and I'm sitting there, and someone says, "You know this bull, don't you, BJ?" I kind of, you know, shrug my shoulders, and they were maybe talking about him or something, and, and maybe I wasn't listening, and and so Troy Dunn's just over here, and maybe they're kind of talking negative, like, "Oh, he's strong," or you know what I mean, like just. Crap, you don't want to hear. And so Troy's just right here. I Troy's seen me ride at these four events. I don't even know that he knows my name. You understand? Like, so, so I've been at these four events. Maybe I've stayed on a couple of bulls, whatever. And so he's just right here, and and, and uh, he just looks at me, and he goes, I twisted him, mate. I reckon you will. Just, <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, like, Troy meant that, like, after getting to know him, you know, and he flew me over to Australia a couple times. Like after getting to know him, like man, Troy believed that with every ounce of his being. Like Troy just believed, well, I mean, if I can do it, like surely you can. Just the opposite of what you teach your kids. Like, hey, if that guy can do it, you can. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, dude, that yeah. guy, the kind
2: of guy you want to be around. Yeah,
3: that guy's on another level. Like he's, hmm. he was the best. He, he Chris Shever. Oh well, there's a lot of guys, but but Troy, he's just the, the most consistent. Just the most um, in my career, you know, riding against somebody like that, you know. And again, I, I rode against Terry Don West and Chris Shivers, you know, Adriano and stuff. But man, man, Troy was
2: just. What, what was it like being part of that era of bull riding? Like for like, like Ted and I, that's the era we grew up watching, and it's kind of almost the golden age. You have the guy, the guys like Chris Shivers, Adriano, Justin McBride, Detroit Duns. Like, yeah. what was it like being part of that that group of guys?
3: Yeah, I, I can remember, so again, everything's accident. I didn't pay attention to anything. You guys know Derek Adams, so you can, you talk to Derek, the whole reason, he'll probably take credit for my entire PBR career because when we were in, in the East Run over in Morris, I drew some piece of garbage that I was just going to turn out. So we're sitting around, you know, uh, in the hotel room at 10 a.m. and going <laughs> to turn out that day. Okay, this is back like in my wild years. And so I'm turning out. And 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 Derek needed a ride down to Thief River Falls. That's really what he needed, not what he said. He was like, "Hey Bob, why don't I? You want to see? You want to enter this bull ride?" And I'm like, "No, I don't want to go nowhere. You know, I don't want to do nothing." And uh, he's like, "Well, let me just see if there's room." And he called down there, "Hey Ken, is there there still? Oh, there's five spots. Well, here, put put in Bobby Joe Cramps." And I'm in the background going, "Hey, oh, well, I had a pickup, and I had Scott Eclair's truck." And so I ended up riding at Thief River Falls that night and I happened to win, it. you know, and then whatever, <laughs> like, and it was, and it paid well. And so then it like, and then it was like, Oh, now you can go here and here. And, and so, um, when I got to that, I went to Houston, like they called me up. They're like, Hey, you, you made it onto the cup tour. I seriously, I'm like, what is the, the
1: cup tour? <laughs> <laughs> no way.
3: hundred percent. So you can ask Scott of Claire, so I used to I used to drink a lot, right? I used to just be party guy. And so I would find an older, responsible guy that rode really good, whoever was the best in the area, and I would buddy up with that guy, you know, and just go with him. So so for me, from being up north, I went – when I turned pro I, I, in Canada, I went with Scott Eclair. He's from up north, and I'm like, hey, Scott, like, here's my credit card. Here's my – or Interact card, whatever it was at the time. Here's, you know, like, buy my membership cards, book my tickets, like – here you go. Like, I'll show up. Here's my money, right? <laughs> so that's the plan. You know, book me with you, and now you've got a responsible secretary is what you've really got, okay? Yeah. So he's still not forgiving me. But anyway, um, so I went to go with Scott, and so when we flew down to our first event, when we were going down to Texas, we, we rented a car, and we were driving by the MGM, and Scott said, hey, there's the MGM. He goes, that's where – he goes. That's where they hold the PBR finals. He said. That's where you know all Adron and all them guys are riding. He goes. Could you imagine if we if we were riding there, you know, this fall in the in the PBR finals? So this is me. I'm like, like I'm looking at Scott. I'm like, well, didn't you get our cards in that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, okay. You know, like I, I mean, I just. And, and so, so when I got to my first one, which again I didn't understand the cups, I didn't understand the PBR. I just, you know, whatever. Scott bought the cards. So, so when I got to, and then they called me after Brendan River and they're like, "Hey, you're an alternate for uh, this event in Houston." And I went down there. Well, I saw Clint Bronger. Well, I knew him. He made the fifty thousand round. You know, That's I saw boy. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, bush
1: tapes. He's yeah. The Bush tapes.
3: <laughs> yeah. Like so. So here's here's a few of these guys, and I just remember thinking, oh, like here's here's where everyone is, and like just and Scott. So I was there with Scott Bredding. Well, he uh, I knew he who went, he
1: went was. to Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so so I'm there with uh Wade Joyell and Glenn Keeley and and um Scott Bredding. And Cody Custer is there. So that's probably the cool. I mean, I watched him be the champ and, uh, and, well, Glenn was, but, but, but but I knew Glenn, like we'd known him for a while. So, um, but, but I wasn't, so I knew a few of those guys. Like, so I knew who they were, but not, not any kind of idolizing, nothing like that, but it was like, Oh, you know, and, and like, so everyone's here. And, uh, it just instantly fell in love with it. Instantly, instantly with that dynamic, uh, rodeo made no sense to me anymore at that time. You know, it was just like, hey, I can go and compete against guys that can't even ride near as good as me and hope that I can get a better bowl or I can hang out here. And... It's tough on your self-esteem because I can ride 75% of them at home, but I can, you know, I'm currently at 33% down here. Like it, it, it battles with your. It's harder, you know. They got a lot more bracker bulls in, in a lot of different areas. You know, Jerry Nelson can bring 80.
2: Well, especially at that time, too, where it was such a giant contest. And it still is this day at the rodeos, but you win a lot more money on the average bull rides at a, at a rodeo than you do at a PBR nowadays. But it, you're constantly getting on those top bulls every weekend. So it's a whole other ballgame.
3: Yeah. They they really, I mean, just that, that was just such a big deal. And, and I mean, it took, took judging out of it. Like, mm-hmm. Edna Caminius, I just saw him the other day, like, you think he? You think he had the political strength to win a world title? Like you? You think they gifted him a few because he was yeah. good looking or looked classier riding? And eh. like, I mean, so th- there's your proof. Like uh, it's just like, listen, anyone can go do it. So you don't have an excuse anymore. It's not judging. It's just who can stay on. It's a riding contest.
2: How it should be. Really. I,
1: I've I've thought different times that the that the point system they should just throw that completely out the window and whoever rides the most bulls wins. Just, it'd make it really, really extremely, totally simple. Whoever stays on the most wins. Like, I, I, I'm curious to go back on Pro Bowl stats once in a while. I, me- I remember doing it one time with Sladen, and it, it was, it was pretty close to where the guy that stayed on the most, what well, he was the world champ.
3: I was just going to say, it player. lines up pretty close anyways, yeah. doesn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, it's pretty close. Okay, right? cause
3: I, cause, cause, so here, so here's a little bit insight. When I would set goals for myself, um, you know, it, it, it's really difficult when you're trying to win. It can be a real emotional battle because there's some things out of your control. So what I ended up doing for my confidence and, and sanity is just setting riding percentage goals, right? And so I never cracked 50%, but but 55% was the goal. And Chris Shevers won the world, I think, in 2000, riding 55%. And so I was like, listen, I'm not trying to win the world anymore because it's just really discouraging. <laughs> I'm just going to try and win, you know, just drive 55% of my bull. Cause if you ride six out of 10, like you'll win, mm-hmm. like there's no, you don't have to, you don't have to line up what you want. It's just, you just do that and you win. And so the riding percentage was, uh, you know, that's back before you could pick your bulls or any kind of, you know, drafting, anything like that, you know, we're just, you know, straight up, but, uh, um, anyway, I mean, it, it was fun. Like, it was fun. You talk about the, the, the different fun events. I mean, just some events were better to you than others. And, you know, you won different places and, you know.
1: Uh, well, I, I got to go back to the divorce meeting with Tuff. Uh, I remember reading the Fried Twinkies, Buckle Bunnies, and PBR, like that that book, and that kind of talked about it a little bit, but it didn't get into too much detail. And I, I know you said you didn't want to go too far into that, but – I'm I'm really uh, interested in in what happened there and what just what the feeling was and you know whatever you well, we can was, say I'm, I'm
3: yeah it was about him putting on his own event you know he he'd had an event in Fort Worth that was a PBR event for years I mean I you know rode there it was you know really good at it. he brought in just like the finals he brought in everyone's bowls. you know it didn't, I mean if you got a bull in California it was there right so you know he did stuff like that but I don't think that the PDR made uh, any money off that event. It was so, tough. He made right. the money on it.
1: He probably produced it and had, as as one of the founding members, he brought that event on and he probably right. took took the risk on it in the beginning too, probably.
3: Right. So then it was like the you know, the PBR the PDR as an entity wanted you know was like, hey, we can grab a different venue and make X in that weekend, but of course it's a loss for him. And, and so that's where that kind of, you know, went and it was just like, well, you know, um, yeah. and then that's, so it's not that I didn't want to talk about it. I just mean that I don't have all the details. It's not like, you know, uh, but that's, that's where, where it started. And I wrote it a few of those CDRs and I have a lot of respect for tough and, you know, I, I you know he's, he's a good guy.
1: But that but that was the year, was it oh three or oh four where it where he actually went off on his own? That was that was when it happened, wasn't it?
3: Two thousand that's or Was it oh two? I, I was gonna say it was earlier, like I, I was gonna say it was two thousand one. No, no. It's gonna be oh two or
0: three.
3: I got hurt in two thousand three. I don't know. I'd have to take a look at that again. Okay. I mean, I didn't ride for most of 2003. I think it was to be four. Like, I think I, I think I have a, a a tape of myself. I rode Promised Land at one of those events, and I thought it was in 01.
1: Oh, at the CBR. Yeah. Let's go back to do this now. Um,
3: um I thought that was in 2001. But uh, but anyway, he he uh, that's what it was. I mean, it was just over his event, and it was going to be a PDR sanctioned event or not. And he was like, "Well, I'm still having it." Then it was like, well, no, you're not. You know what I mean? Like,
2: Jeez, that's it, what
1: it, that's what it came down to. Yeah. Like, so. Huh? And that that was that was the biggest trouble because but didn't he have didn't he have a, a few other events like was wasn't Biloxi Mississippi and like Bowser City weren't those kind of like tough events or how did that how did that happen or did just some of the promoters end up going with tough or or or? Oh you know? no! Yeah, just
3: a bunch of people went with them. And very you know Terry okay. Terry Williams and um. Yeah, I mean a bunch of those guys
1: went with. They Tuff.
3: left with him just like uh, the BRO formed, and and you know, and then a bunch of people went this way. Like, you know, who knows? I mean, perhaps, uh, perhaps Tough was thinking everyone would follow. You know, but
1: yeah, geez, isn't that isn't that a kind of a sad time though? Where where like, don't you think the PBR would have been better off with with a guy like Tough for the for the next twenty years? Like, wh- that's a pretty yeah. awful breakup, isn't it?
3: Yeah. And, and, and listen, one thing about tough, like what that autographs are like, I, I know what it's like to just be in the venue and people know your name and you know, whatever. But like, like him, you know, with that movie and like it was, yeah. it was right next, after eight uh,
1: seconds. Right. That was
3: 95. Yes. So it, so, so when you go out to sign autographs, you know, I would be around in 25 minutes, you know, something like that. Right. Big deal. Like I mean, for for him and Chris, I mean it's it's an hour and twenty five minutes. Sometimes I'm just out there, and they're like, "Hey, have you seen Chris? Or where's Tough?" <laughs> and so, you know, those guys got to take a selfie with everybody, like every time they're at the hotel. So whenever you talk to Tough, like, you know, it, when you get to talk to him for like fifteen minutes, it's just like this biggest privilege because he's always running away from somebody. So when you're sitting there talking to him, someone comes up because they're trying to, you know, and so. I just—he was a great ambassador. He went around and signed autographs every single event. Whereas like Ty, when Ty took over as the president, when he got to the finals, like if you didn't sign autographs, I think they fined you five hundred bucks. So they paid you five hundred for coming, or, or something like that. The, like when Ty got to the finals, he had to write a check for thirty-five hundred bucks. Like they pay you five grand for getting to the finals. So yeah. he owed eighty-five hundred in fines for not. Mm-hmm going and and signing after the event you know and and tough and and listen he for him a few hundred bucks well spent like he just business decision i i so i'm not i'm not criticizing him once you're the president i'm just saying as an ambassador you know tough he went out there like it was his company you know he He put the time in yeah he he had ownership like he 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 acted like the PDR was his
2: huh so
1: – and I'm, I'm looking back now, and I just found the promised land. 92.5 was in 2002 at a CBR event, it looks like. So okay. so it would have been 01 maybe that the – No, it,
3: it, was, it would have been 02. That was pretty quick. Like when they got out of there, they – Oh, they went right they, to some events? At, yeah, I think that was pretty quick. Okay. And maybe. <laughs> I mean, off the check, whatever. year In 2001, Top Hat is – I mean, the, the, the we rode in Fort Worth in 01.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's on the schedule, so, right?
3: Yeah, so – I mean, so go too. and the, the events in the spring, so I don't know if, if that was a cup event in you know, too, at his place, but anyway, that's when it happened. So
2: yeah,
1: wow. I just I look back and I, like I wonder about what that what what could have been that way, and it, if if that might have been the point where things really changed, and and some of the you know the rider side of things maybe went a different way. I don't know. It,
3: it still was okay for a while. I mean, there was a lot of guys that were uh, still on tour, you know, competing and like Cody Custer. I mean, he, he was still riding when I was done and, and, you know, it was really neat, you know, getting back to your thing when you're like, Oh, what was that like to get around that group of guys? I mean, it was, it was really cool to just like Clint Bronger's got a really good personality you know, and just just a really good guy, you know, and, and so does Troy. Like, just, you know, really good guys. And, and, you know, that that competitive zeal that they kind of have, and to just see how that's universal, you know, um, you know across the entire planet. And a lot of those guys were older. They, they were just older because it was the first time they could ride for that kind of money. And so they're like, well, I was going to quit, but I'm not going to quit now, you know?
0: <laughs>
1: That's fair. Yeah, because it was a million bucks. said so him a game changer because that first one was 03 with, when Chris won it, right?
3: The first million bucks? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and well, d- but even just, just the regular money, like uh, when, when oh, Glenn advanced. first was in it, there was $1,000 uh, fees into those cups. Oh, when, really? Yep. Yeah, and and, and Tuff did not want to stop the entry fees you know, oh, really? uh, other riders did, you know, of course tough, you know, any, anything to add more to the pot, right. Was, was a better thing for him. Just kind of like that Mike White confidence philosophy. Yeah. So, I mean, there used to be thousand dollar fees, Really? You know, yeah, thousand dollars, not for me, never for me. When I got there, you know, there was nothing we paid an insurance cost and eventually that went away. Rob Bell Rob Bell is pretty influential on the guy who got us all to get it paid a thousand bucks for the short round. So that year when we were voting on that payout, Rob was like, I just think if you make the short round, you know, it'd be nice to get like a thousand bucks. It was basically like pays for your weekend. Yeah. And it was just like, Hey, if you can make the short round and by golly, everyone kind of like, yeah. And so we threw that 15,000. And so it was like, Hey, we've got, you know, we've got thirty more, or forty more, five more thousand dollars in prize money for you guys every weekend. Where do you guys want it divvied up? Like that's how it used to be. Whereas, you know, now I think leadership is. There was a time there where we. I was on a committee which was like a go between between the the board members and the riders because there started to be that disconnect. It didn't really work out. You know.
1: When was that? Was that when you were still competing, or was that after? Yeah.
3: Yep, when I was still competing, like '04 probably, and you know there was just, yeah, uh, you know you could. I think we'd change. Yeah, there'd been some changes, and yeah, Tough was gone, and so it was just, yep, just trying to get that through that uh, they could lead more by, yeah, just different decisions. I mean, everyone, whenever the riders feel like they're they're they got to say so and stuff, just the way points are structured. Money structured stuff like that,
1: and the extra like forty five thousand weekend. That's a couple million dollars more for the year. That was a was that a Rand, Randy Bernard thing? Like was he the leader? So
3: the so I just made up the number forty five thousand just yeah while we're talking just, just just make it up okay so yeah yeah uh they, you know they just like hey how would you guys you know are you happy with the pay I was just like feedback you know just yeah. really kind of uh nice right for any boss be like hey you know what's it like out yeah, in the what, mine yeah what's going on interesting Mm
1: -hmm. i I want to get into some of the some of the memorable rides and wrecks throughout the career uh i think a few well a couple of them have got to be the promised land rides and then i think that comes back to i i think i I was looking at it and and to be able to ride promised land after after what happened to glenn i think i think that had to be a huge you know those had to be some a bit like a little bit of emotional rides in, in my i'm just assuming i don't know if this is true but I had to ask. Yeah,
3: I mean, it is, um, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but it is, it's something that consumes your mind, right? So you just, uh, you just think and, you know, you have time. And and so I visualize myself riding promised land a lot. I don't know. It's not like it's revenge or something. And who knows? I mean, we just, we got time to think. We daydream about riding bulls. and And so... Yeah, you know, for for Glenn and, and Promise Land wasn't even a mean bull. Like just, no, this was I a mean, freak if,
1: accident, wasn't it? Like yeah. for and for those that don't know, uh, Glenn Keeley was was killed in Albuquerque, New Mexico, March twenty fourth, two thousand, uh, at the PBR's elite level. Promise Line was the bull, and uh, and and Glenn passed away that night in the hospital. You were probably there.
3: Yeah, I was at the event. I mean, I, I went over there to help him get his glove off, and you know, he, we kind of had a like a big brother, little brother kind of thing where, I um, mean. He definitely didn't hesitate to uh, uh, yell at me for screwing something up. And, and I went to take his glove off, and, and, I, and, it, and I and his arm flipped over. He'd broken his arm, right? So he's like, "Ah, you know, and he's giving me crap because I'd hurt him, you know. And, and it was kind of, like, it's funny, you know, everyone's – because he's putting me down. Um, you know, and, yeah, like, it was – he was joking. Like, I stayed for the rest of the event, and then we drove his van, like, to go pick him up. I mean, none of us left to go to the hospital. So we, we went down there. And then when we walked in the hospital, they were like, are you guys from the rodeo? And you could see the, you know, they get you in a little room. And, you know, three minutes later, a doctor's coming in, you know. And then, I mean, you knew before, you know, he starts talking. Kind of saying, hey, you know, he came in, had some interior bleeding. And we opened him up and, you know, and he died. Oh, uh, no yeah, and so I was having to make a phone call to John and Donna. You know, a few hour you know, an hour or so later, I asked Tandy to come to my hotel room to kind of, you know, these people are going to have questions, medical questions. Well, how are you going to? So Tandy come and help me make that phone call, and yeah, calling, you know, his fiance and stuff like that. It's just a, yeah, trying to handle all that. It's just a surreal thing I can remember feeling so small I guess Ted like the next day I went to pick up his parents at at the airport like I knew when they were getting in like I called them and I I just had to have broke down piece of shit car like Mm -hmm. I I went to go pick them up or no I had I had his van sorry what was I had his van maybe but but like when I got there there was this entourage I mean there was so many like to to pick them up in a town I mean it was like a limo service or you know what I mean like it and I'm like, oh, like I don't, I don't have to do all this by myself. And I think Tuff flew Glenn home. I think Tough yeah, on his I think plane. he flew him that, that yeah. night or
1: something. I remember Justin telling the story. Yeah,
3: yeah. He, he, flew, he flew Glenn home. Like Tuff's a good guy. And uh, It was
1: that night, I think. Like I think Justin told me the story, but like, like Glenn was – they all flew back together, I want to say, or something wild like in the middle of the night or the next day. Like it wasn't even 24 hours and Glenn was back in Canada, wasn't he?
3: I, I don't know how quick, I mean, with that board or whatever else, because, I mean, the event was the next night. I mean, I rode with Tuff to that event, so he didn't leave. So, I mean, I know he was there, you know, and, um yeah, it was just different. I had to keep that under wraps for a little bit. You know, I remember the the secretary, you know, just so we'd come from there, but we needed to call John and Donna. And I remember uh, Jay looking at me, the, the press secretary, just going, okay, so Glenn's out, right? And I just remember, you know, just waiting to respond. He's like, he's got a broken arm. He's not riding tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, he's not riding.
1: And, and you knew, you knew at this point he already passed yeah, away. Yeah, I I
3: just got back from the hospital, you know, yeah. and, and I'm trying to meet up with Tandy to make this phone call and and to the parents and to the you know, no one knew. Yeah. And 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 we got a guy that's doing the draw for the next day. He needs to if Glenn's competing. And I'm the only other Canadian. And he's like, hey, like, is he in well, or is he that's out? Jeez. You know, and it's just like, you know, you just, anyway, it's just a funny, um, you know, it's just a really funny time to try and describe, you know. and um, It probably
1: didn't seem real, did it? Like, it probably seemed, didn't seem like that, like it was, I can't, I just can't imagine what it was. What it been, yeah, the only thing I can imagine is what it was like with Ty Posbon when it happened. I just didn't believe it for a while. I just couldn't believe, it, it was surreal, I guess is the only word I could put it, put it with it.
3: I guess the, the, yeah, the surreal is probably a good thing. Just, I was the only guy there or just something about being the only one there. Um, so just, yeah, I just went to the hospital and they get you in a little room and then, and then you're calling John. So I guess just, I guess just that it was such a tight little circle, you know, and, and in knowing that until I went to pick up his parents at the airport and then everyone and their brother was there to kind of help and, and uh and take that away and just kind of what a relief that was and then kind of seeing the rodeo community there um you know and then i think mean, i i drove his van home i guess i hardly remember that but i mean i would have took his van home to Nanton you know um i think i got spud to help me drive it home
0: or
1: what did what did the cause, like when was when was the funeral was it a couple weeks later kind of thing or the next week or because that was that was a uh, everybody came up to that and that was a, part it of wouldn't
3: it. have been that long after. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it would have, I'm sure I went straight from that event home with his van. Yeah. I mean, there's no way I would have done anything else.
1: Did you compete the next day or were you, uh, yep. you Yeah, I day?
3: competed. I made the short round and, um, uh, I mean, I was really hoping to ride Red Wolf for 16 seconds, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like that was the, and, and and, and I spurred myself off him, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had two down and was, was, um, Owen Washburn rode promised land.
1: Yeah. That's you know? the next day or wasn't it right?
3: Yep. Yep. It was the very next day. I mean, it was just, so yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, I guess it's so quick because yeah, this little tiny circle and I talked to his fiance Chris until, until, the the battery, both batteries went dead on my phone and then, you know, that's it. And, uh, yeah. And then the next day rolls around and, and the event, you know, kind of continues. And then, yeah, then I'm in his van driving home, like, and the phone's not ringing. So it was just, yeah.
1: How, how do do I, how do you think that affected you as far as riding and for, you know, how, how close you guys were at, um, what, what was the, what was the feeling after that? Like he was, one of the top guys in the world at the point, wasn't he fourth or fifth in the world and to, to lose a guy at that point at the prime of his career. Yeah. He was, having a, re- was, yeah, a he was having a really
3: good year. And I mean, he's been the, you know, Canadian champ and just, you know, arguably one of the, one of the best guys that can spur a bull that, that's ever, you know, been there. So it didn't affect, I guess it didn't affect anything, Then I guess the something that's kind of neat or personal or, or whatever that uh, like, so me and Glenn talked about stuff like that. Like we, we talked about dying. And, and, you know, what if you got, you know, and this and that, and, you know, just, I mean, I knew, I knew, I mean, one of the, I made a phone call at the hospital on his life insurance policy. Like, I, you know how they screw everything up with insurance. And yeah, I didn't want to, I mean, what else is there to do? And I can remember someone going, how are you making these phone, like, you know, he he just passed away and I was like, well, I know if you don't report it within so many days, they deny this stuff. I said, you know, and I don't know, like just so I just moved forward. Ted and Wacey just like, I mean, we moved forward just like we planned. We moved, nothing, nothing happened. I drove his van home. I didn't run the air conditioning because it was too hard on the engine, you know. I mean, and yeah, just went and hung out with his parents and. And that was, you know, that was the plan. Just like, kind of like with the pandemic, you know, so some people got this thing in their mind, like dying's wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with dying. We're all gonna do it. You know, and and so uh, more of us died traveling to the to the things I think than ever died Adam. You know, and so anyway, it was just a uh, it was just a, a privilege to, to get to know Glenn and and get to be somebody. I won his award, you know, that they made for him a couple of times. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, it's a privilege, I guess it just affected it by just being a, a really neat thing to remember.
1: What, what were those conversations? Like when you guys, when you guys had those had them about what could happen being bull riding, like it's kind of one of the things I remember thinking about when I was doing it, cause we, it's kind of something we had to think about. And I always thought like, if I had died doing this, it was I was doing something I loved? It like what what a better way to go was was one of the things I remember it being because that that's something that every I guess I, would, I guess I would say layperson or someone that doesn't know about bull riding they don't realize that some of those folks never get to do what they love to do. So that was that was kind of my talk, but I'm curious what what your guys' talks were.
3: Um, it was, so with Glenn, everything was like, so he was just this old soul, like, so he, I was the young fun guy who wanted to show up (laughs) for the 10 a.m. flight at 9.45, like, and we would totally get on the flight and they'd just be announcing our names and like, see, we skipped the line, right? And Glenn wanted to be there an hour and a half early and, you know, just all responsible and business and, and, and so... So those talks are just like, you know, like he doesn't want money wasted with this. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's stupid stuff. Like it's just, you know, this efficiency, like Glenn was so cheap, you know, is this the funniest thing? I remember us staying in a hotel and like the hotel was 18 bucks. Okay. So
0: Holy good
3: job, Glenn. Like eight, I mean, got this hotel value. It $18. Like there was no sign. You couldn't even really tell it was a hotel. Like, and I remember just waking up, and I'm like, "Oh, got to be like, yeah." I'm like, "How much was it?" He's like, "18 bucks." I'm like, "Wow, so you nine dollars for the room?" Like, and and then we got in there. And there's no there was no phone, and there's no clock. So we need like we're driving from California to Texas with not a whole whole maybe four hours of play time, right? Like you gotta. And, and I remember just going, "Well, how?" Do, and so we had to go to not Walmart, but some store, and Glenn bought a little. Clock like a, brrrr, like it it. Try you plug yeah, it in. A wind up clock. <laughs> yeah totally. No that, he bought a, a a clock and, you know, that was smarter than buying an up class room that had. So a had a phone, phone. in the cl- <laughs> A clock <had> a phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. You guys so, probably had that I, clock
1: for a long time. It probably. I won a,
3: I, I won a, a bull riding at, at Johansson Brothers. Maybe it was just an open bull riding in Strathmore. One year, And I remember driving to Strathmore from Calgary, and it was hot. and I was in my classy uh, Oldsmobile. And I remember just turning on the air conditioning, just being like, forget it. Like, in my own mind, no one's with me. I'm just like, I'm running this air conditioning. Like, Glenn was so in my head about <laughs> how running the air conditioning used gas, and it was hard on the engine, and it wasn't efficient, and... <clears throat> I just remember thinking, like I'm running the air conditioning, you know. And I won that bull ride, and I just remember driving home, feeling like King Kong, like I'd run the air conditioning. By <laughs> golly, we won, you know. And it was, yeah.
1: Holy. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to talk about some of the memorable rides. We we kind of got in that, and then I got sidetracked, but but it was Promise Land was where I started. So, what about some of the other other memorable rides along the way throughout the career?
3: Um. Yeah, different different things stick out to different people. Um, you know, there was a bull called Rampage that I rode um, at. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying his name wrong. Renegade, not Rampage. That Rampage, uh, Troy Dunn rode him, not me. But I didn't draw him. There was a bull named Renegade that I rode at that at that event in Albuquerque. I, I'm pretty sure he was oh, really? there. The and and so like. That bowl is extremely hard to ride. There's no television footage of that, you know, because it was on round one. So my memorable, memorable stuff for me is, is Hollywood throwing me off four times. Okay. So I don't want to talk and brag about how awesome I am. I just want to talk about how, if I would have <laughs> drawn him four more times, I don't think I ever would have gotten him rode. Really? Now that I'm retired, I can just say that. Yeah. He was tough. I wish I could ride Red Wolf again. Like I, I fell off some of the good ones where it's just like, ah, you know, where everyone, you know, wins on this bull and
1: um, Mossy Oak Mudslinger.
3: Yep. Yeah, like Kansas City. fall off that bull. That sucked. Moody Blues. I was waiting on him to go back the other way. And so, <clears throat> anyways, you got to ride all those easy. You got to ride all the the. You know, the off bulls, yeah, you know, they don't
1: ride themselves. And I see, I see a b- bad bubba in Albuquerque. I gotta look back for another Albuquerque. Yeah, it?
3: it'll be an 01. Oh that yeah, renegade. On
1: the- renegade, uh, eighty seven and a half, March of two thousand. That was the year. That was the event. And yeah, you got a red Bull in the short round, forty seven and a yeah. half. The Holy yeah.
3: shit. So, so that now that bull there.
1: Oh, he bucked okay. you off the week before in Fort Worth.
3: He and 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 you can look like I, I remember watching Ty get throw off him like three weekends in a row, and all I remember thinking is like no one knows that I rode that bull like. Um, so I mean, there's not really even a f- film
1: of it. <laughs> yeah,
3: like, it, it should be on film somewhere. Um,
1: Renegade, I'm gonna look him up here while you're thinking.
3: Yeah, he he was a tough bull to rep, So in law, in law of H D Pages was a very difficult bowler ride. I drew him four times. I rode him one time. That's a good little YouTube. Well, that, I get knocked out on him. And, and <laughs> um, oh, that's a great story, Ted. So back in the TNN days, you would ride, but it wouldn't come on till like, the next week, right? So it's like uh-huh. a week delay. A week
2: delay, yeah, I remember that.
3: So, so most of the time when, when you were on TV, you were competing somewhere else. But if you ever had a weekend off, you'd be available. So I remember having a weekend off in the spring and we were going to go, me and Spud Whitman, we went into, we were in Pleasanton, Texas, went into a local bar to watch, to try and watch the the bull run. So Spud was pretty content to make a big deal that we were in there. I was more than happy to, you know, not attract any attention. But, But anyways, he's wanting to, you know, show everyone that we're on TV. And so we watched this event, and I get on in-law, and I remember, I mean, I was there, right? And so about the third jump, he pulled me down, and I slapped him, and then sat up and rode him, okay? And then got welled, and he knocks me out. I take a nap. I get up a few minutes later, you know, with everyone around me. They walk me out of the arena, okay? Okay. I didn't realize I got knocked out. Like, I remember everyone being there, and I remember walking out of the arena, and I just remember telling Tandy, I'm like, no, like, he missed me. Like, I slapped him. He didn't hit me. Like, I thought it was – I had no recollection of getting knocked out.
0: Jeez. So we're
3: in this bar, we're in, the, and I got on in the short round 25 minutes later. Did not do well. But I remember watching that on television, and then that bull coming around, and then watching myself sit there and sleep. And that was the first time I'd ever known that I got knocked out. You know what I mean? Like, just watching that on TV. And Spud was, I mean, so Spud knew. And I'm like, I got knocked out there? It's like, yeah. So, no memory of getting knocked out. No nothing. I totally remember Candy, like, you know, holding my hands and doing the whatever. Concussion protocol? I don't know. I'm, and uh, anyway, yep. Fun times. You know what? Watching that on, on video. Well,
1: and then I guess another one would have been the Coyote coyote wreck in Tacoma. You got dragged yeah. all the way from – you got basically made a full home run with Coyote in the Tacoma Dome.
3: I wonder, like, we've got to time that. Even when you go to try and watch that wreck on replay, like, you just – you want to double it up on speed because it's really just too long to watch. You know, it's too agonizing. Like, kill the guy off already. <laughs>
2: We're out of his misery by now. Come yeah. on, guys.
3: <laughs> when you're, I've had that happen one time. You have to watch it slow. You know, you get, you get thrown off, and then to get twisted around, you know, underneath there, you're not coming out. Like you're not. So whenever that happened, instantly with your hand, however it is, you, you, you can't duplicate it like this. But I knew my hand wasn't coming out. And so there's a bit of anxiety that starts going through my mind, Waycy, because I can't communicate that to these bullfighters. So hmm. Rob Smets, after he got tired after a while, he just grabbed a hold of me and was just like, just thinking he'd just pull me yeah, off. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, it dude, yeah. ain't coming. Like, <laughs> you know, but you can't have this dialogue, you know, like it's. And, and I just remember thinking, I am never coming out of here, like, oh, and and, uh, and then finally, like, him getting in front and, and hitting me and just being so exhausted, and the funniest part about that whole thing is, I think, uh, telling Kelly Armstrong right before it, like, there was some other wreck, and I'm like, if you think that was a wreck, watch this, because we were, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we were always making fun of ourselves, like, we were always acting like we couldn't ride, you know, we're always just... <laughs> Saying that we sucked and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, if you think that was a catastrophe, like, watch. And we knew. I mean, I was being serious because I was tall. He was small. I mean, I didn't really have a negative attitude, but I sort of did.
1: Subconsciously. It came to fruition.
3: Self-fulfilling prophecy on that. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Holy. I wanted to I wanted to ask what the ride um, at the 2000 World Finals where you got mucked out on the gate the gate man let you down and didn't hold the hold it back and you got bucked off right into the end of her that how did you cuss the gate the gate guy did you did you
3: No I didn't I, I, I you know that looks a lot worse than it was again I got that shell vest on
2: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
3: just I mean you take that TK vest listen it's just like having on a piece of plywood mm-hmm. so if you got a piece of plywood in front of you and you run into a metal beam Nobody cares. So I didn't care. I mean, I just kind of like, you just, you know, Windy, get yeah, breath. Mm-hmm. It didn't even really win. me. Okay. So all that I was just, I mean, I'm just like, what's the rewrite, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, and even watching that back, you know, and, and it was shared not too long ago by that all things rough stock, you know, put that little video out. And of course everyone jumps on there to cuss the gate guy, but man, it's just, it's almost like doing the sound in church. Like, no one looks unless something's wrong. So, Mm. you know, I mean, them guys are there. (laughs) He don't want to make a mistake. I mean, he don't, you know, so whatever. Like, there's a lot going on. Those arenas, if if no one's ever been to the Thomas and Mac, you cannot believe how small the arena is. It, It just, it blows your mind when you first get there and you're like, what, this is it? This is the arena? And we cut it in half. Like yeah. we cut the Thomas and Mac when they, when the NFR and they bring in that chuck wagon with, with the four horses, dude, that, that thing can barely turn around. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you get there, you're like that whole thing takes up the entire arena. He can barely do a figure eight. So when they're rolling a bull and, and you look behind you, dude, three jumps and he's to the other end of the pen and three more jumps and he's back. So I just think he got sidetracked and, mm-hmm. you know, I was happy to get yellow one you know in in the short round i mean it was it was nice to be 88 and a half and split 10th three ways you know it's really great <laughs> to, that was that <laughs> night
1: was that that the night that they were everybody was like 95 96 like was that that night at the world finals or well that was a one two no that
3: was that was 99 well, our, oh when, 99. i don't know okay. i think it was 91 when when Terry Dahl and all them guys were
1: yeah like crazy scores yeah. It was like 11 1190s 11
3: I think that was a night I could have been in 2000, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I never did do any good at the finals. I never really never did well. I can remember just little things, but, but there's also like a ton of other events where, you know, I, I'm sure as I can say it, I'll say something wrong, but like, like I never did any good at Lansing, Pennsylvania, you know, either. Right. Like, you know, but who cares? Like that, that wasn't the world finals. So, you know, but over the years, I mean, Wooster, I'd win first or second or third every year I went there. Same thing with Grand Rapids, you know, same thing with, so it just, you know, it's just kind of funny how sometimes some things just kind of work out. And, um, I'm thankful that I never really hit it out of the park earlier in my career. Cause I tell you what, that, that, uh, extra stardom you get, that extra fame, that extra, I can remember the very first year that I was doing great. I was in the top five and, and for the first little while. And then I remember coming home and someone going, wow, BJ, you're doing so great, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, man, that Chris Shivers, he sure didn't turn out to be much, huh? Sure, a disappointment. And I just, you know, remember making that comment. and Like, he was like 23 points behind or ahead of me. I mean, we were basically tied. And it was just all the praise in the world for me. And basically like, yeah, that other guy, he sure hadn't panned out, you know. Just so that's a difference between notoriety and fame and like I never had that pressure, never had that pressure. We always think we want it, but yeah, you know everyone notices when you lose and all them eyes are on you too.
1: We yeah uh, we haven't got to what you're doing now and how you ended up in Nashville. You're uh, currently uh, with Remax, right, as a uh, real yeah, estate associate? Yes. Yep. Yes. How did you end up in the real estate business, and and how quick was that transition out of bull riding into into that, and how why why uh, why Tennessee?
3: Well, I married a girl here, and she was, she's from here. She had a job. You know, families here and I lived like a gypsy, right? So, so this was (laughs) your free agent. Yeah, yeah. Someone had a home and, uh,
1: are you, are you legally in America still?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No comment. No comment. (laughs) I saw what was going to happen up north and I left a long time ago. Listen, I, you know, I saw this coming long before. No, um, so I met my wife at a cowboy church service. In, uh, in Las Vegas, I gave like a testimony at the cowboy church service in 2001 and she was there on holiday and, uh, and anyway, happened to meet her, married her, I rode bulls for like another, um, only what half a year after I got married. And it was almost like re- someone reached over and flipped out the light switch. Just the desire where, you know, that all of a sudden wasn't there. I had the physical ability to still ride a bull and whatever, but just didn't want to do it all day, every day, balls to the wall, which is really the way you ought to be. So I decided, well, everyone doesn't want to go to work some days, but if you're riding bulls, it sounds too dangerous. And and uh, I'd invested in real estate. I I'd bought a house in Calgary that I rented out, and I did well on that. and And so I just kind of took a part-time – Passion or whatever, and kind of made it into a career. And I thought I was going to help those bull riders invest, you know, their money when I first started, but ended up being more traditional real estate, I guess, more than that.
1: So, where was the house in Calgary?
3: It was right downtown. I don't Over. remember the address, but uh, really? I mean, just bought a house in downtown Calgary, just called up Yellow Pages back then going, Hey, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> this, I want to buy a house for rental property and someone sold me one.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And then you, and then you sold it a couple of years later. That was
3: your first. Yeah. Time. I think I made more money on the exchange rate of bringing my money back and forth accidentally than I even made on the house. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> really? bringing the money up from the U S and the timing I, I did really well. And then the dollar went the other direction. And like, I think I made like 40% on the exchange, you know, wow. of, yeah. you know, Bringing sixty grand back and forth, you know, which was more than the profit on the house. But, but yeah, um I, I actually ended up renting out to, to some family members, and then there was a there was a bed there for me. And anyway, it just was like a an investment. So that's what I do for a living now. I'm self employed, so it kind of works with what you did before. It's um, got a lot of freedom.
1: And so, so what what's the day to day like? Are you are you selling for like for the, like, are you a, a agent or are you buying and selling your own properties now or, or what else are you working on?
3: <clears throat> so I am, I am a normal agent, uh, do everything the normal agent does, but yes. So I'm, I'm in the process of building, you know, uh, uh, developing a, a subdivision that's, you know, all investment properties. And so I I deal a little bit more on the investment side of it than just traditional real estate, although I can do all the traditional real estate stuff more in the investing world. And so, yes, the building, you know, rental property and commercial uh, stuff like that. And yes, for myself as well as for other people.
1: Oh, very cool. And, and you started that, like, I think I look back and, and you you've had this, You've been doing that since '05, like the uh, year that March, you were finished.
3: M- March 2006 is when 2006. I started. Yeah, so that'll be uh, well, 17 years here uh, in a few days. Dang. Right yeah. On. So that's yep. Yeah, so that's what I do for for a living now. the 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 day to day is um, it's pretty nice. So it just depends. Sometimes I mean, it, I'm busy and it's this that and it's you know it's whatever else, but it's uh i don't know it's it's not there's not a routine to it i'm i'm on call and we're making decisions and i get home and tell judith that we bought a house somewhere you know i mean just so it's better than calling her up telling her i broke my leg on a bull i
2: guess (laughs) that's fair not a bad trade off
1: i've i've found your sense of humor and very entertaining from afar from facebook so i gotta ask what the best prank you ever pulled on the road was there's got to be uh I feel like you might have been a prankster. I don't know for sure, but there, there may, maybe, may or may not be a story here.
3: Oh, it's hard to think. It's almost like one of those things where you have to get people going, um, telling on this story, other to, uh, to you get know, someone? yeah, to to get to those pranks where you know, I don't know, just yeah. Who is who is around. who is the
2: easiest target? Are the guys you hung out with? Usually, you can like for me, anyways, it's easy to identify the people who you can kind of pick on a little bit easier than others.
3: Oh man, like I like to, so, so, okay, here's what I'll say just on the topic, who you didn't want to get, you didn't want to get Glenn. So Glenn was the worst, like retaliation wise, you know, little things bugged him. So, so Herf, like Greg Whitlow, he pulls yeah. up, you guys probably know this story, he pulls up to, uh, and then, and, and they're in the Saskatchewan, a train's going by. Okay. So pull up, you know, the things down, trains go by. Well, Herf, I mean, he just sticks her in park and, after a while, he just kind of tilts his head back and falls asleep. So he falls asleep. <laughs> trains, you know, done past. And Glenn was already sleeping in the passenger side. So I mean, he wakes up, like, and they're in the middle of nowhere, you know, to the road as far as you can see, flat in Saskatchewan. And then just, you know, like, he just beats her from the chest, like, what are you doing? Like, what? Fell asleep, you know, and. So anyway, whenever I remember pranking, I don't know what I did to Glenn, but I can remember waking up. He parked me in the sunshine when I was sleeping. He parked me to where the sun was going to come up and be beaten. And, you know, windows rolled up and they went into IHOP, you know, and you'd wake up in the car being 140 degrees. So I remember getting pranked back by Glenn is is what I can remember. But, oh, wow. Yeah. Inhumane. Oh, fun, fun times. They're they're fun way to uh, to make a living and and uh, yeah, good times on the road. And it's really that, that's the funnest thing, right? The the travel, mm-hmm. not rodeo, and you know, even just getting to talk with you guys. You just meet everyone. Everyone's all automatically all a part of it, right? So it just doesn't matter. And there's just kind of this universal sort of thing you can't quite explain. And you know, I mean. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, you know, you go to a certain place and it's not a rodeo crowd. Like, okay, it's 1230 at night. I can't just walk up and knock on the door at this house like they're a rodeo family. You're like, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, we're yeah. passing through. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Sleep. Come in on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't just do that. And, and, and so, uh, just, yeah, being a part, being a part of that community and then getting to do it at that level and getting to find out how good you are and how good you're not you know um what what a fun you know what a fun way to make a living for a while
1: the, what what's the wildest traveling story that you have then driving a van across America for seven to ten fifteen years i guess once you Rode the Greyhound
2: and everything. Rode the Greyhound for a couple of years in there, too.
3: <laughs> Listen, the, the, wildest tra- the, yeah, the, the wildest traveling story as well. I mean, there's some ones that aren't, you know, I mean, I, I have been pulled over going 90 on a donut tire, you know, by the police and stuff. But but the the, the, the wildest stories end up being, I mean, I, I, they're, they're the steer. I mean, it's, it's when I was 12 and, and I'd be at an amateur rodeo and trying to get to a professional rodeo. And I can remember... I would go they'd announce i'd just go to the announcer and i'd be like hey my name's bj cramps i'm trying to get to wherever and so could you just make an announcement that i need a ride to and like listen i did that like every like this was just like this is how you get the word out you know yeah. and go out there get a megaphone hey this is my name i need a ride here like get everyone interested and so I remember them girls, you know, at that rodeo. That there was four of them in the cab of a pickup, and then they brought me. Right, there's five in a single cab. So we took turns riding on the horse trailer, and they got me, and then they took me up to Williams Lake, from from where was that? Hudson Hope, and 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 then I took the the midnight bus
0: to hmm.
3: I took the midnight bus, yeah, to to Cash Creek. And then I remember I had to sit in Cash Creek, uh, you know, and wait for five hours until I eventually caught a cab to that rodeo. Um, what is it? What is that? Uh, was it Armstrong, anyway, to go to a ride in that steer ride. And like, just I was up all night. I mean, just up all night. Like I had to buy 12. that plastic. Yeah. And, and just to, to get there, and I was, I was 68 points. I split third and fourth and I won 68 bucks. Yeah. I have it all written down. I have everything journaled. I have everything, what it cost, what I made. I have all of those records. So if you can't look up something, before I got to the professional ranks anyway, I have yeah. it all written down. Really? And you have That's...
1: that in like a little journal book or what do you have that in? Several.
3: It takes up really? a lot of books. I've got books and books of it. Is I it mean, like it's...
1: this kind of a book? You got your notes and whatnot?
3: Yeah. There really? so, and it'll just and every event I did, the what I drew, who they were, you know, and yep
1: I have that in Excel from my early days 0-2 oh, oh, oh to like probably two thousand eight in Microsoft Excel. I don't know where it is anymore, but i I know what you mean i remember I remember the scores and the money from like two thousand and two you probably remember some of those things too you all you did oh. sixty eight bucks. That's yeah, sure.
3: Got little <laughs> little things like that, they, they stick with you. I can I made 2300 and something dollars, you know, in the standings that you're riding steers. Like, I make – so when I was 13, I mean, I had them on check flights. They said Bobby Joe Cramps. Like, dude, I was a businessman. I mean, I was a man. <laughs> like, dude, I took a bus. Like, I bought bus tickets and just went down south. Like, I mean, I – there was – so it did a lot for me being able to speak and interact. You you put a, a kid in a position where you make him talk. You have mm-hmm. to talk. You're not just gonna sit there and it's gonna happen. You've got to find the ride, right? Like so so that really develops a lot of skills and and confidence. You know? I mean, what do you think scares that kid? Like Nothing. Um, like not not a damn
2: not a yeah. damn thing. Yeah. Well even like thinking back to being younger and like going up to the announcer stand and asking the announcer to make an announcement like that like that, that's a pretty intimidating thing for a young kid. Like asking twelve year olds to do that nowadays is exactly oh, yeah. you go knock on yeah. the
3: neighbor's door and yeah. ask if you want to buy cookies for you. Oh no, I don't want to do all it there, it's your fundraiser, you know? Yeah, um, yeah literally. Like, yeah, so yeah absolutely like uh, that was just you know not, and then having to stand up like some of those people when i was in that that uh husky station in cash creek listen there's nothing it's just it's a gas station and then it's outside it was where the ground stopped i tried to lay down in that booth and I'm 12 and that guy's like hey you can't sleep in here like there's nowhere to go outside and i'm like oh okay so i sat up he's like you can't stay in here unless you order i'm like okay i'll have a, a cheeseburger He's like it's 5 a.m the girl's not on
2: like what do my, you want from me,
3: dude? <laughs> I'm like, well, can I get a chocolate milk? He's like, yeah. Dude, I nursed that thing from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. You know, those were the days I called on a payphone to my parents. I'm like, Dad, I'm like, this guy in the restaurant, like, he wants Dog, me to you leave. leave, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, so you'd have to do, like, stuff like that, you know, just as a, as a boy, you know, that, that guy didn't want me hanging around, you know? And, like whatever you know i have some choice words for him nowadays but like as a kid you don't have that authority or that mm-hmm. you know and, he just, and like the old man's you know he just like ass just ass a order a milk and sit there you know mm. it's just dang dang That's did, any,
1: did any dodgy stuff happen while you're on the road like that there had to be some
3: no i mean i learned like listen i learned that people did not act like I heard about growing up in church, right? Like, so I learned, I learned that, uh, you know, some stuff a little bit early there uh, where the bull riders didn't keep a filter, you know, whatever. Right. I don't think that's anything new. I mean, no, you just, uh, yeah, you, you you learn about uh, interactions and and like finances and I think it, it just, it taught me a lot of, a lot of lessons. You know, and you figure that stuff out and, and you don't need, yeah, you don't need all this extra stuff. I mean, dad taught me to pack a little clothes bag and stick it in the rigging bag. And you only have one bag, you know, and you just make your living around there. And you form a lot of close relationships. Like, I know those guys really good because I lived with them. You know, I, I, I didn't just, I didn't go home every weekend. You know, I, I got there when I rode bowls and was like, well, here, like, and everyone's happy to have you.
1: And and what about the what about the people now? Are you still in contact with many of these guys that you that you competed against, or or you know what's it like where you are now? And and do you get home very often? Like I know that you went to the high school finals in 05. You did the speech for the Alberta High School Association one year. One year off. I was there in '06. Was my first high school final, so I just missed you. Um, but but how like how often do you get home?
3: Well, um, it's almost like you got to talk. Pre COVID because, you know, the world lost its mind here, but, but I used to go home, um, you know, at least once a year, uh, all the time, like in the, in the, uh, in the fall when kind of parents were harvesting and everything. Um, I do, I don't go to a lot of events. I mean, I went to that event a little bit yesterday. Well, a lot of the reason I went there. It's because I pinched something in my neck and I'd had a surgery on a long time ago and I knew there was gonna be a sports medicine crew there. And I just kinda had some questions and I, I text Cody Custer and just said, Hey, who's putting on that event? Who's there a sports medicine crew? And he's like, Yeah, here, ask this guy and you know. And I was glad I went. Edne is still competing, you know. <laughs> the guy's I wild. Just, he walked in there, he's like, Hey, and he gives me a big hug and like I was there in 2002 with him and Philip Elkins and all those Brazilians and they're just very, very dedicated to workout routines. And so they got memberships at whatever gym, like it's this big YMCA or whatever it was. So, so they're all members there, right? And to go to work out with them, like it costs 20 bucks. So it was like a big deal to go and, and, and we were trying to figure out how to finagle the system, I'm sure. But anyway, Edne was there, and I'm like, well, now, Edna's winning the world, like, he's the man at the time, and it's like, so, Ednae, you, you go there, and you work out, too, his English wasn't as good then, and he's like, I go, but I know workout, I go hot tub, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and he wasn't joking, like, he just went in there, he said, he just sat back, like, he sat in the hot tub, and all the other guys are running and swimming laps and doing all this stuff. And like at the end of the year, he was the champ. <laughs> like It was just, <laughs> like, up back. yeah, man. And, and that's why he's still riding. Like he didn't, he didn't have his heart work so hard that he's, you know, put himself out of bull riding. Shape.
1: Oh yeah. So on the business side of things, what, where did you, where did you, was that from learning on the road or has there been a mentor along the way or I I, I want to know what the, what some of the best advice would be for some of the guys going now or even for Wacy and I, like what, what, are, tell us about the business
2: side of things.
3: So, I mean, uh, I just, budgets are simple and they're not easy. It, it, it's this analogy doesn't go very far in the rodeo world, but, but it's it just like weight. I mean, it's calories. It just, it's either you burn so many and you take so many in, if you take in more, you get fat, right? It's not hard. Same thing with money. I mean, you have to, you have to have more coming in than you have going out. And, um, for me, it didn't take a whole, whole lot of discipline, Ted, because I got shaps. I got shaps the day before I went to the Hobima Christmas Rodeo, you know, um, at my first pro rodeo. So I wore no shaps my entire amateur career up until that point. You know, I, I did not, um, yeah, didn't have chefs, right? So anyway, I mean, it was easy to go without, but, but keeping that under wraps and being, and having the, the financial ability to go, I think it's just, it's going to glaze over everybody or they're not. So I wasn't, I was not even close to the best bull rider in Canada. Uh, not even close, but I went, you know, I went. And I feel a little bit like that's, like that, that's some of the reason that some of the other guys were coming, right? Cause it's like, well, Colleen, I mean, if he can do it, you know, it's not just Glenn and, and these other guys like Wade Joel, you know, that obviously ride good. So I'm just, I'm a huge proponent of just entering, just enter. Like if you just enter, like you can't win if you're not entering. It's a statistical fact. And and so my father would not let us believe that we couldn't win it, like any kind of parent. But I mean it was yeah, it was just extreme and so um the the advice that I I mean on the budget side of things, that's just gotta be held low and you figure out how to do that and you better get along with people. And so I did the four guys in the Hope Motel Six and the whatever else, you can still make money and you can make a living doing it. So I think that's and then I'd just go. I mean, I'd just – I'd enter, and, and you got to pick your traveling partners. If you're around that negativity, like the the old joke, I mean, the police officer who sees the suicidal guy that's going to jump off a bridge, and he pulls over and stops and goes, whoa, 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 sir, you don't want to do that. And he goes, well, how do you know? I just lost my business. Just got – wife just left me. And after 20 minutes of listening to that, they both jumped.
0: <laughs> oh, so, God.
3: yeah, I mean, it's just – that, that negativity, being around those guys that thought that the judges weren't getting them and the block, you just, those people want to be losers. And, and so if you hang around in that losing mentality, you know, I just, I really think picking that, picking the right framework and the right positive guys, you know, that's that was a big, that's part a of big, it. big major part of
1: it. Same thing on the business side though, or like what, what have been some of the successes on that side?
3: So business side of it, I mean, I just, I mean, look for opportunity, right? So look for stuff that matches up in this world of bull riding. So for me, I mean, it's like, okay, what are my skill set? What do I do? What do I do for a living? And how does this mesh in? And then, so that whole promotional world, I did a lot in it, right? So got paid for a lot. It opens a lot of doors, just relationships wise, sponsorship wise. And so approaching that, it's not like, ooh, how can I get a sponsor? Okay. That's how a, 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 thief, okay, or a taker approaches something, how can I get something from this person, whereas if you see that entity, and you can see a way for you to benefit, you know, that individual, like, that's more how those relationships could kind of go, and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly, or on the business side of it, I mean, are you talking, like, how to go where to enter or are you talking about money or, or, or i'm
1: talking like, about now i'm talking about now and and just the success you've had and what what what's got you to where you are and i just kind of well hmm. so um, i should ask about that
3: so uh i've been fortunate i mean things have just things have worked you know um you know my way but um business-wise now, I mean, whatever, that's just, that's a mind thing of of taking risk and seeing things and, and, uh, having an eye for opportunity and, uh, you know, real estates. I mean, it's, 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 it's a paint by number. There's a lot of different ways you can make a living doing it, but I think just, how do I say it? Ted, Ted I think if you can critically think, so I think if anyone that can critically think you can, there's a few people that, You give them a job to go do, and they'll go and do it, and the other people show up, and they're like, whoa, I went there, you know, the gate wouldn't open, and they just come home. You know, they don't figure out how to get it open. They don't figure out how to. And so, you know, I just think in that business world, like, whatever it is, just find your horse and ride it. Like, whatever that is, like, figure out whatever turns you on. So So what turns me on is efficiency. I'm an efficiency fanatic. So I like things to be a good deal. I like them to work out well. I like a car that gets good mileage, like whatever, that kind of stuff. So when I help people purchase investments, we make sure they're a good deal. And we sell them. And when you make people a bunch of money, they talk about it. That's why Ponzi schemes work. So that's promotion, right? And and so if you make people money, they tell other people and, I think it's paint by number. I mean, I think it's easy to do. And, um, you know, I just fortunate enough to be involved in doing it. Wazy, wrap her up. Last question.
2: Nice. Well, man, this has been great. Like we mentioned earlier, you're your guy that Teddy and I grew up watching and, and we, it's cool to take the time to talk to, to you guys that you've, you've been watching for a very long time. So the final question we ask every single Cowboy Shit guest, what is your definition of Cowboy Shit?
3: I think that cowboyship, you know, if I was trying to define like what it is, if you're trying to tell, trying to define to someone else who 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 isn't there what I think it is, and I think it's just this. uh, I think there's a certain standard, I guess. I think there's like a a, a, like a morale, like a respect morale. You know, call it the sir and ma'am thing from the uh, the cowboy thing that that working for a paycheck, I guess, that, that competing, you know, and, um, and and putting that out there, and just the peace that, <clears throat> that comes, like the, the absence, I guess, of, of fear and anxiety and whatever else, and so the cowboy rolls in, and, and he's the one that's not worried about nothing, you know, the barn's burning down, and he's, you know, whatever, he's grabbing the water buckets, you know, and so to me, I think that, you know, is the person that just undaunted? They got their mind made up, and and they know what the the goal is, whether that's riding a bull or rodeoing or or a ranching or whatever else that that guy's into, and it's just putting your head forward and and doing it in a way that that you respect yourself when you're done doing it.
1: Thanks for uh, thanks for your time and doing this, BJ. We appreciated the conversation. It's been
3: great. You bet you. Make sure you clean up all that stuff and make me sound smart. Okay? <laughs>
1: Thank you again to BJ Cramp for joining us on the show today. This week, we appreciate it. My name is Ted Thulin. He's Wacy Anderson. This is Cowboy Shit. It's the 112th episode, and we are uh, in the middle of March. It's almost getting nice out at home. We're gonna make for our walk this afternoon. It was beautiful. Yeah, we're gonna take the wiener dogs out here after the show. will get recorded. Um, we've got a bunch of merch heading out, and we are heading out, Wacy. We're heading heading to Florida.
2: Can, on, we, can I, can I uh, touch Friday. on something from BJ's interview before we move into this? Yeah, give her, man. Man, so the, when the, when he talked about how he started out rodeo and his parents just turned him loose, like 12 years old, like Hicking taking the, the bus, pass. hitchhiking <laughs> to rodeos, dude. Yeah. And you know what? I, I thought it was a little bit wild looking back when I was rodeo. And like once I turned 16, like I was allowed to go to rodeos by myself and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was a yeah. little wild. But I looked, hearing that from BJ, it's like, man, I didn't, don't even know what it was okay. like. That's back Question.
1: Then, question. Yeah. Have you ever taken a bus to get to a rodeo?
2: No, I haven't. Yeah, but I have no, taken I a bus to a hockey tournament, though. Really? I like bused from, Sask- bus. from Saskatoon to Vegreville. Really? Because I was I still part from- of – so when I was ban- – in my second year at Bantam, I was still part of Hockey Alberta because that's where I played the full season. But that, that was when we moved to Nakem. So I played hockey in Peace River that summer. So I, for my second year zone camp, I had to go to the Vegreville one. Really? Because that's the zone I fell into. Oh, geez. Yeah just so kind, oh, kind of out. wild. I, was, I had a good camp, but it, that was like my draft years. Too. And I talked to a few scouts, but nothing happened.
1: WHL draft?
2: I cried my I got drafted in the dub draft. <laughs> that was a big moment for me.
1: Huh. Yeah. Turning point. TSN turning point in your career, some might say.
2: Yeah, it kind of started my sourness towards hockey, but that's a sex right. story for another time. But anyways, yeah, no, I've never been uh, a bust. Have you?
1: Yeah, I did actually. Uh, I was probably what I've been. I was steer riding age. I think I was 14, 15 Thirteen, somewhere in there, but I took a bus from like Edmonton to go to like Wainwright. and I went and saw some friends out there too. But I, yeah, I did take the Greyhound. Nice, you took the BJ Cramps,
2: BJ Cramps rodeo. And...
1: Yeah, I was, I took the BJ Cramps school of rodeo, but I didn't know that till now. But uh, funny. yeah, I that, actually that, did. That... And I took it back to Edmonton. It was like two and from Edmonton because it, like it's, it was far to go to Wainwright, like way the fuck yeah. up and gone over there.
2: My parents are busy, so yeah, I took the bus and met some friends. That's awesome, I man. That's fun. So I did it. do that.
1: Have not been on the bus recently.
2: No. We almost had to ride the bus last year because of fantasy hockey.
1: That's true. Our punishment. I'm glad I didn't lose that.
2: Yeah, that's funny. Okay, uh, sorry. I, I, I was going to talk about really that because that stuck with me. That was wild.
1: Yeah, that's a good good point. Uh, what else did I have here for We're today? going to Florida. Yeah, Florida. Yeah, so we're leaving on Friday the 11th of March, direct down to Orlando, stay there for a couple of days. Storm and I are going to go over to Cape Canaveral for the day. we got a hotel by Universal Studios. And Wacy. you just booked uh, a ticket to a special uh, – the, the, what is The, the most magical happiest place, place in the world. The most magical place. Happiest ha- place
2: in the world. Happiest place on, it, earth? Happiest place on earth, earth, dude. I'm going to Disneyland. World. 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 I'm going to Disneyland. Disney world. California. Yeah. I just booked my ticket. Before he jumped on here, I just paid for my ticket. <laughs> I got the park hopper pass. So I'm going to start off in. How much uh, was it? How much? 200, 200 bucks. 220 bucks oh, for the day. Cool. U.S. dollars. Oh my gosh. Man, it's That's a cool hard, experience, bro. dude.
1: You're going to, are you going to go for Disney from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 9 p.m.? Fucking
2: rides, bro. I'm going to wake up, go for a run. I'm gonna go over to Disneyland. I'm gonna go Dude,
1: to. You do not need to wake up and go for a run when you're going to
2: fucking... Yeah, I do, marathon. man. I'm training
1: for a marathon. I uh, you you going to Disneyland for a day will be a
2: marathon. You do I know, not need to go good, for a run true. that morning. I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna, gonna wear. Where, if you wear you, your if you wear word.
1: your new shoes from Michelle. Uh, Michelle was
2: shit. Chuck Taylor's Michelle Greer, former She's Miss Rodeo Panoka. Nice. Yeah. So, so anyways. So gonna, yeah, just
1: as a suggestion, don't run in the morning or you will power out and pass out sometime in the daytime. I'm in pretty good shape
2: right now, actually. High.
1: Yeah, it's, it's 32 degrees Celsius, dude. I know you don't like to heat that much. What? You will melt in the I love being Florida in the heat, sun. man. Okay. Why do you? Don't. You're making all these things up about me that aren't true. One thing. I did one. I said one thing, but. I don't know, man. I just I'm I don't think it's a very good idea to go for a I'm far, okay, run. I'm well, fired. Any, anyways, it's that's beside the point, man. It's beside we'll the point. We'll do a poll. Should Wasey go for a run before? I can, can do go? a quick.
2: I can do a three kilometer run in seventeen minutes. It's a quick. Not, not a hard part of my day. Um,
1: humble brag.
2: Just yeah, not a, a big deal, around. man. Um, but anyways, that's beside the point. I'm do gonna you, wake up. You, I'm gonna go. Do you, into, put that,
1: do you want to put that on 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 Twitter? Like everybody's putting their wordles on Twitter. Hey, I'm Wacey Anderson. I can hey, run, I can run hey, actually, we actually we're gonna get into <laughs> that after
2: we need to get in that after we need to get in that after this. But anyways, oh, I'm going to Disneyland. Man. I'm gonna start off with Star World. Wars Galaxy's Edge. Fuck if we're going you. Going to Disneyland? No, I'm going wherever I, I want, know. dude. I'm going wherever I want. you to um, be disappointed.
1: I hope you didn't buy a Disneyland
0: <laughs> ticket.
2: No, it's Disney World. <laughs> I should double check that actually. <laughs> no, it's Disney World. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, boys.
1: Oh shit, that have been. That's good. so
2: funny. <laughs> That's hey, I'm
1: Anderson, I bought a ticket to Disneyland, but I'm going to Florida. <laughs> I'm
2: to <in> Disney World. <laughs> no, I'm at Disney World. I'm good. Oof, that actually scared me. <laughs> <laughs> How funny would that have been? Oh, oh what an idiot! Dear. Uh But I'm okay. Anyways, I'm fired. That'd be, ways, that'd be wedge,
1: Two million dollar haunt. He'd be haunted for life by buying a ticket to Disneyland when he went.
2: To- but I can re- I, I could have got a refund and rebooked it. So <sighs> that's not the other of the world. Funny. That's funny. So you're gonna do you know, you're
1: gonna buy you're gonna go build a lightsaber
2: and Hell yeah, brother. I'm pumped up for Galaxy's a, Edge.
1: Hopefully not get arrested for being a single white dude in his late twenties going to Disney with a World mustache. Game, so. <laughs> Wearing Chuck Taylor's with a mustache and a cowboy shit.
2: I'm I'm gonna have a day, dude. I'm so pumped for that. Uh, I'm just gonna be living my best life. Uh, do you like doing things alone? Uh not
1: not like I don't think I would do that. But I did go to like to the capital in Washington D.C. by myself one time because I flew home from I redirected my flight from Brazil and went to a thing in in Baltimore Maryland for a few days yeah my mom said you got to go down to the capital in D.C. so I took the train by myself down to like D.C. well I flew by myself from Brazil Mm -hmm. to the U.S. then Mm -hmm. went to yeah took a train to D.C. and walked all around D.C. one day one morning and then took the train back and went to like would you go to the movies by yourself I don't think so I'd rather stay home or go. Then, I I did go golfing by myself quite a bit last year though when it was COVID times. I, I like not mind that to like, go alone. fast. Yeah, you went to Batman in the day alone.
2: I so you know what? It's a weird thing. I get really bad anxiety when I go to movies with other people. That yeah. I'm I'm so worried about them enjoying the movie, especially if it's one that I pick. So it like takes some of the joy out of it for me because I'm just so concerned about the other person enjoying the movie. Um, so it's not. It's, I like going to it alone. It's um, it's it's completely irrational and silly that I, I feel that way, but that's just something I, the way that I feel when I go to movies. I also want know. I also want to do a uh, solo like travel trip to like Europe or something and go backpack around by myself just to.
1: You'd meet a lot. I, of like, I
2: like I like doing stuff alone sometimes. I do a lot of stuff with people, so that's just nice stuff alone. That's fair.
1: I'm <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's my jam. Fair enough, man. For for some things, yeah, like golf I could do. Uh, hockey I've kind like it's not really alone that you always know somebody.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, just that, yeah.
1: I, I mean, actually, like, you know
2: what though? When I first moved like, to Calgary, I had to play for a lot of teams where I didn't know anybody. I was just getting caught up. That's a good way to get going, I, though. Yeah, good way to meet people for sure.
1: But I guess uh, I probably spend enough time on my own anyways, like in the truck and driving by myself. And I'm always calling people, getting caught up and mm-hmm. stuff. If I can ever go with someone, I like to do that. Like Kobe, I know Kobe, our friend, does not like to travel with anybody. Like he's turned me up yeah. a lot of times where we'll like be planning to go somewhere and then he just like, no, because so I can't, I'm gonna go by myself. That I, that kind of sucks, but um, yeah, Kobe. But I like I like to go with people, especially driving, because you can have uh, you can have I don't know you can have conversation, you can bullshit like somebody else can drive. It's just like I feel like it's a yeah, safe it's always, way
2: to travel. Yeah, it's always, it's always I also fun. don't mind traveling alone either. My last my last year rodeoing like the last like 2015, the last few months I rodeoed. I was I kind of had like I had my pro my pro card, I had a BRC card, a PBR card, I had like a CCA card. So, so I was going all over the place. See you i was well, by myself a lot nobody else make would go with tracks you. yeah 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 just kind of it's it always is more fun traveling with your buddies especially rodeo that's the best part of oh, it, yeah. anyways. i'm with you
1: and and now we're doing similar shit like you and i could go golf somewhere we could go do this or that like it's
2: mm-hmm. it's, a little,
1: it's a little more fun that way yeah. uh what what else we got ways are we done I think that's about
2: it. it it's probably i'll save 10. i'll save some of these other stuff i have when yeah. we don't have as much stuff to talk let's about let's do that
1: oh except florida we're going to do a deal for Wrangler. So yeah stay tuned Cause it's, uh, it's we got some cool rango, shit
2: so. coming with gonna that. Fun.
1: We're going to gonna meet up with our friends, uh, David Sharp, and Clay handbacks. It's going to be a pretty fun time. We're going to go fishing. It's, it's going to be fun to hang with David. I've actually I haven't hung with
2: him like really before.
1: Yeah, yeah you'll enjoy him. He likes yeah. keg beer and uh, good times. He's also keg beer a, and good uh,
2: times. That's a sweet tagline.
1: He's also a... Uh, <laughs> a former like break dancer so you have to ask that he's see. got some moves he puts his buffalo yeah. coat dance moves yeah that's cowboy shit tell him to bring tell him to bring his buffalo coat so we can do some stuff with that oh i'm gonna do that right now okay yeah we need that thanks uh thanks to bj cramps for being on the show this week my co-host partner in crime wacey anderson thanks for uh thanks for being thanks for doing 112 shows with me Wasey. it's been fun
2: it's been a hell of a time dude we
1: didn't even have a domestic on the show this week we no, almost we did not not today. Oh, you your were gonna, well, you're going to give me shit about the Wordle. We, we'll get to that another time.
2: Fuck you, man.
1: <laughs> Thanks to Sean Morton, our editor, Wacey <laughs> Anderson, social media manager. Sean, so make sure you me. leave that
2: fuck you in there, please. Storm Let Depot. people enjoy things, Ted. He kicks ass. All right. See y'all next time. All the
0: nickels <laughs> and die. I got to get loose sometimes.